0: The blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, Podcasting After Dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com podcastingafterdark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon, or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us, and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us.
1: Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode... The Burbs, starring... Tom Hanks, Rick Dukeman, and Bruce Dern.
0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the unofficial start of summer. I am one half of the Podcasting After Dark team, Corey, aka Sleazy C. Joined with me as always is Zach, the total snack it Is that Slavic?
1: Uh no, it's uh it's hydrocephalic <laughs> or cellophilic or whatever the heck. <laughs> hydrocephalic. <laughs> We had that's one of those kids
0: is. in our in my high school, by the way.
1: Oh, that's really mad. I'm sorry. That poor kid.
0: Yeah, and that, that's why I didn't have the biggest head in high school.
1: <laughs> and we I, lost I just, all of our listeners. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Two minutes those in. guys are insensitive jerks. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just don't take it. Take it as a grain of salt. I'm, uh, not. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, well, I, I, mean, I was I was I was gonna start out by saying uh somebody left trash in my street and never picked it up <laughs> for some goddamn reason. We're uh, what are we what are we talking about tonight, Corey?
0: Dude, we are talking about one of my favorite comedies of all time. Not Fletch, The Burbs, 1989, directed by Joe Dante, starring Tom Hanks. And yeah, right out of the gate, this might not be in our normal wheelhouse because it's you know more of a mainstream film. But I'd say out of all of Tom Hanks' movies, this is probably his most cult classicy of of them. Um, he he, this movie did not review well when it first came out, although it did do well. Uh, but it was kind of panned by the critics and everything, and uh, and it's grown you know over the years into this cult classic movie. And the reason we're reviewing it is. Zach and I decided to kind of pick uh, two summer movies. We wanted to do a theme, and Zach's going to do his summer movie next. And this is my summer movie pick a movie that I pretty much watch every summer ever since I got it on DVD years and years ago. I've watched it every year, every summer. So, wow.
1: The Burbs, baby. I haven't watched this movie since I saw it in the theater. So, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 19, what was it? 1989. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I mean, I've watched bits and pieces of it here and there, but I have never watched it from beginning to end um, since 19, 1989. Damn, dude, I'm I'm thrilled. I can't
0: wait to to hear what you think about it. I, obviously, you know, you really don't have much uh, experience with it, um, as, at least not as much as as I do. But do you remember seeing it in
1: the theater? Like, do you have that memory in your head? Oh yeah, this movie. I mean, all of Joe Dante's films are so easy to just kind of print in your brain. I would not be surprised if he shows up on our um, our, our Auteur de Force series on our Patreon, uh, like John Carpenter currently is. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, consider becoming a Patreon subscriber so you can sign up and listen to our exclusive content, like our Auteur de Force series with The Carpenter Factor. Cheap plug over. Yeah, I think <laughs> Joe Dante would be definitely in that category. Uh, his movies are 100% original, 100% unique, 100% special. Whether you like them or not, whether they are your cup of tea, they are all considered cult classics, in my opinion, or, or cult films, in my opinion. Uh, Every single one of his movies, I dare to say. damn dare, yeah. dare.
0: My thing is, dude, The Howling is my favorite werewolf movie of all time, uh, followed by Dog Soldiers. But I have always loved The Howling. We will... One day, uh, review it. I actually have another werewolf movie that I'm gonna put above it that I think is a bit more culty. Um, Zach actually has it, uh, he just doesn't know it.
1: Um, the but you know, part two, yeah, part two. Yeah. just kidding. Yeah. Oh, David Iron just went, Come on, come on, come on God. <laughs> yeah, he went, Oh, and then he went, Oh, that was like an <laughs> orgasm to a deflated orgasm to a, to a tease.
0: But we we should just pretty much jump into Joe Dante because I feel like we're gonna have so much to talk about there uh, with with his movies. I know how much you love Inner Space and obviously Gremlins. I just said uh, the Howling and and whatnot. I'll just really quick kind of give uh, one last little bit of you know overstatement that I love about the Burbs. You know, uh, it's it's weird because it's it's one of those. It's even though it doesn't take place in one. Loca- like one house, one indoor location, it still for me falls under that category of movies that take place in one location because it is just on this one street, uh, which is what I love about it. I also absolutely adore uh, um, Bruce Dern. I love Rumsfeld. I think he's so much fun. But honestly, Rick uh, – how do you pronounce his last name? Dukeman. Rick Duke-a-man. Uh I – Honestly, he is this is probably my biggest familiarity with him, but I've always loved art, the art character, even though as I get older I'm like I wouldn't want to know him, but I do love him in this movie. And we'll obviously talk more about Rick in a bit, but yeah, man, this movie I just I love it from beginning to end and it almost fits into that weird category of urban fantasies that we sort of talk about like chud and stuff like that um but this one probably skirts it just a little bit like right outside of it but it still has that little bit of um pizzazz that i like about urban fantasy films
1: yeah yeah watching this movie this time around i'm like this would actually make a really good stage play uh they could just keep it all it's pretty simple you know on the set
0: yeah. And famously, it was filmed during the writer's strike uh, of '88. Oh. It basically started filming the day the writers went on strike. So they couldn't have the writer on hand to do any sort of like rewrites or help out or anything. So actually, a lot of the movie uh, is improv and ad libbed uh, by the actors on set. And uh, they also filmed the movie uh, in order, like from beginning to end, which is. Not normally how you, you film a movie, but I think it's because they were going to blow that house up. They kind of had to it, film it in order.
1: Well, um, not to necessarily besmirch Dana Olsen, the writer of this, mm-hmm. uh, but, but they weren't necessarily missing a whole lot improving because he went on to do the screenplay for Memoirs of an Invisible Man. <laughs> Which is something <laughs> and, we're going to
0: have to cover on The Carpenter Factor that Zach yeah, just plugged two minutes ago.
1: We will not be covering George of the Jungle no, <clears throat> or um, uh, he did the story for Inspector Gadget.
0: Oof. I used to love that cartoon. Oh. Was not the biggest fan of the movie.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, what is your fav- What is your favorite Joe Dante movie then?
0: I'd, I mean, I'd say hands down my favorite Joe Dante movie is The Howling. Uh, you and I have had extensive conversations about, uh, about Explorers and how we don't feel like the ending, that third act, really holds up all that well. But before, I'd say probably before I watched Explorers again, you know, a year ago, I would have put that up there. With uh, the Burbs and the Howling, but right now top three would have to be uh, the Howling, the Burbs, and I'm I'm not quite sure. Maybe maybe inner Space, maybe Gremlins. You know, next. But because yeah. at that point they're all classic, like you said. It's all Joe Dante, and Joe Dante's movies are so much so easy to to
1: consume. You know, they are. They are my my all time favorite of his. Hands down is interspace, interspace. Always I always loved that movie, top to bottom. <laughs> Uh, and, and I, yeah, the, the explorers, you guys can argue with us all you want on Instagram or however you, the, the three people that see us on Facebook, um, (laughs) it, the first two thirds of explorers are perfection. Yeah. The last third is not. And so that's why it gets knocked down a peg for me, uh, as well. If it was, if the, if the third, the third act of explorers was just a little bit more decent, um. It would have been ten times better. Ten, yeah. it would have been maybe pushed uh, ahead of InterSpace, but InterSpace gets it for me.
0: Yep. No, I'm I'm with you, man. Uh, InterSpace is definitely higher, and I, I have less experience with InterSpace than I do explores, But yeah, that that ending is a is a dud, unfortunately. But yeah, first two thirds of it are great.
1: No shit. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, InterSpace will show up on one of our podcasts eventually.
0: The last time I saw Interspace was at your house when you were doing an outside uh, movie nights, uh, you, you were projecting onto like your back uh, door window type of thing. We were all sitting out back, and that was a lot of fun. I loved it, and Space was great. It holds up well, but I haven't seen it since that time we watched it.
1: Yeah, the only thing this, I, the only thing I feel like the Burbs was lacking was, um, actually no? No, I take that back. It's not lacking anything. I mean,
0: I wouldn't be upset with more Robert Picardo, but you know, I'm glad that he's in it.
1: I not either. And, uh, yeah, I just feel like this movie is super unique. Um, and it is a, it is the type of Tom Hanks movie that I enjoy. I do not like Tom Hanks when he became a serious actor. Uh, I feel like this doesn't do it for me. I'm like, meh. I want to see wacky, silly, uh, you know, uh, odd facial tics and whatnot that Tom Hanks used to do. He doesn't do that stuff anymore. He doesn't do silly anymore. This is one of the last uh, one of the last silly movies he did before his career took a turn in, into the serious realm.
0: Dude, when he has that sneeze-coughing fit uh, in the <laughs> Kloepak's house, it's fucking genius, dude. And I don't even know genius. the noises that he's making, but I, I at once both relate to him and want him <laughs> to stop doing it, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, he uh I think after this movie he went on to do like Turner and Hooch and Joe Versus the Volcano and then slowly that's when he got into drama. Bombfire of the Vanities, League of Their Own, he was still comedic but I, this yeah. started to get more serious.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. This is probably my favorite sort of like type of of tom hanks i'm actually a big fan of splash i love that movie um don't love what disney plus is doing to it with cgi but i love that fucking movie um and i'm with you i like that era of tom hanks personally i actually love a league of their own i love tom hanks in it you know (laughs) with the clap yeah (laughs) that's good advice kid and like his long ass pee and everything that's the shit because i feel like he tapped into some of the zany tom hanks For that, but I think that I feel like that was like the last bit of it. Like you said, he kind of just he shed all of that and then just kind of went off to be a a serious guy. But this is the kind of shit that I like to see Tom Hanks do.
1: Did you ever see him in Mazes and Monsters? That TV movie that was an anti Dungeons and Dragon film.
0: Uh, I I know it. I know exactly what it is. I might have seen it long time ago, back
1: in the eighties. It's worth checking out. I think it's free on YouTube.
0: Oh, awesome! Great.
1: <laughs> uh, but but you said you love Bruce Stern. Bruce Stern is the, the the best part of this movie for you.
0: Uh, I, I mean, honestly, it's between him and Rick uh, Dukuman, uh, uh between Art and Rumsfeld are almost a tie. But I I love Bruce Stern in this film. I I love his. You know, it's it's, it's weird because you look at him from a twenty twenty two lens. And he's, you know, what kind of person he probably would be in today's climate, and you know, I don't know, yeah, would say what you will about, mm, say what you will about that, but uh, you know, back then I thought it was an interesting look at that sort of character, and he he keeps this, the character so funny that he never makes them too. Like scary. Like now, I would find that character to living across from me to be scary, you know, and with his guns and everything. But here, he's funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it doesn't hurt that everybody on the block is white. That probably helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. there is definitely a lack of diversity in this cast. That's for damn sure. Um, so that wouldn't fly now either. No, but no. yeah, he. You know, Bruce Stern is is a unique, quirky actor. Um, if you haven't listened to our interview with Catherine Mary Stewart, uh, he she, Catherine Mary Stewart made a movie with Bruce Stern in the 80s. World Gone Wild, I think is what it's called.
0: Yep, World Gone Wild, 1987. Um, yeah. Great poster, by the way. Actually, I was scrolling. I just landed on it. I want to watch that movie.
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's available on Blu-ray uh, okay. in like a German edition, but it has not reached the States yet probably okay. Kino will probably release it i would not be surprised but yeah that's a fun uh obscure b movie to check out if you've not seen world gone wild it also uh, features our boy from uh the last dragon and briscoe county jr you know you know him. Yep. it's one of Corey's favorite guys yeah dude
0: julius carey man fucking love that dude he's fantastic
1: yeah go check out that Go check out that movie. Um, I,
0: I got to say, though, probably my favorite Bruce Dern movie, aside from the burbs, weirdly, is Silent Running. When yeah. I was a kid, I don't know why, I remember renting it way, way young, like super young. And like I think I was looking for something... Tron-esque and don't I don't wonder how I got like from one to the other I was like five or six you know what I mean so like don't try to figure it out just know that I somehow got my hands on Silent Running when I was super young and fell in love with it weirdly it's a slow sci-fi movie but as I've gotten older I realized my favorite sci-fi movies are the super super slow ones and so I think that's probably why I latched onto it but as a kid I just didn't know why you know
1: yeah, it's not silent running the song by Mike and the mechanics. Um, <laughs> no. I'm gonna risk it for the rest of my life. <laughs> Love that song by the way. <laughs> it's a great great song.
2: Great
1: great <laughs> song. Uh but yeah, that is that is a really kick ass cult film. Cult sci fi film. Um I liked him in Digstown, but uh that that James Woods Yes uh uh what's his face? Um Louis Gossett Jr. Yes. Uh, boxing movie. That's a fun 90s boxing movie. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, he's great in everything. He was in, you know, Hateful Eight everything. and everything. He's great in everything yeah. he's, he does. Everything.
1: You know who else is great in everything except for uh, uh, some trilogy? Uh, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Go
0: fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude... Hollywood Can hookers I, or whatever that Hollywood Vice Squad.
0: Hollywood Vice said. Squad, I know, because when I'd be looking for when I used to, back in the day when we were when I was promoting the Vice Squad uh, review, I would always find Hollywood Vice Squad covers to, and I was like, oh, I remember that fucking cover right there. Um, obviously, I you know that I love Princess Leia. Grew, grew up on Star Wars, Star Wars is life. This is probably my second favorite hot like like visual Carrie Fisher because I just I still kind of find her kind of milfy in this, you know? And I think she's really fucking hot with her short hair. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Um... <laughs> she did uh, When Harry Met Sally before this, I think. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a nice to see Carrie Fisher in a different different light. But rest in peace. There's a few uh, rest in pieces in this movie.
0: Yeah. And honestly, like, Aside from Star Wars, I'd, I'd probably put you know Star Wars, this, and um, Blues Brothers as my favorite Carrie Fisher role. Oh, She's yeah. awesome in Blues Brothers.
1: Yeah. No, I love that movie, too. Um, this was the movie where, watching it this time around, I saw Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, now I know why he didn't have a bigger career, because he should have. He's such a great actor, yeah. but he's so damn tiny. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's right? He's tiny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He really is, and and I think I'm just speculating, but I kind of feel like that maybe hurt his career,
0: held him back a little bit. I, I can see that. Uh, I was more noticing how he and his friends like talked like the the surfer talk from back in the day, and I always kind of reference like you know Denver, the last dinosaur that we covered on TV Obscura, because I think it's a great example of like sort of that character way of talking that we all sort of we all sort of did back in the day oh, bro but here you, in this movie you actually hear them sort of speak it real and and we talked about that in another movie too right, that we just reviewed sort of recently i was like it's interesting to actually to hear that accent in reality versus to hear it is, as a caricature in a cartoon
1: yeah i feel like you know this movie came out in 89 couple of years later, Don't Tell Mom and the Babysitter's Dead came out. And feel famously, like Keith,
0: dishes are done, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Keith Coogan kind of bit off of um, Corey Feldman's character just a little bit. Yeah. Because Corey, Corey Feldman, who was only 18, by the way, when he did this movie. I'm like, oh, he has to be older, right? No, he was only 18 when he did this movie.
0: Yeah, And apparently he kind of was having a—his uh, life was a little bit in turmoil right here. And uh, during filming, apparently Carrie Fisher and Wendy Skull kind of um, were surrogate moms to him and kind of kept him uh, out of trouble, I think, and, and kept him on the path uh, and, and, you know, actually helped him make the movie, essentially, make it through the movie, I should say.
1: I think Wendy Shawl.
0: Oh, is it Shawl? Okay. I always I always thought it was Skull or something, but yeah.
1: Yeah, pretty sure it's Shawl, but yeah, no, that that's nice to hear. Uh, I mean, Wendy Shawl is—, is- so good but oh, she's um great. she's great i mean like you hear her in this and i'm like oh she's doing that that voice now is synonymous with uh what is it american dad american
0: dad yeah. she plays uh france scene on on american dad
1: but i obviously love her from inner space yep. and so hilarious in inner space as the uh checker at Lucky's or wherever uh <laughs> martin short works the grocery store <laughs> She was also in uh, Batteries Not Included,
0: which is a movie I saw in the theater as a kid in 1987, but I have not seen that since. I think our pals over at uh, the Blastomer Past podcast reviewed it, uh, I'd say, a couple of months ago. So go check that out. But That was a movie I liked when I was a kid, but I just haven't seen it in forever.
1: Yeah, I remember liking it, too. There was something about it that I didn't like, though. Mm. Like, there was a dark side to it that I was, like, kind of sad, I think, when the— Bots get smashed or something. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I was, like, never into, like, the super downbeat moments of the movies from the 80s. Like, whoa, what happened? It got so dark so fast. But, yeah, she's she's a super versatile actress. Uh, been in a ton of stuff. Obviously now she does mostly voiceover stuff. Um, but she's great. And then Rick Dukeman, you know, I knew him from um, uh, the, the Little Monsters. Little Monsters, he was a great villain in that. And I knew him from a movie and love him from a movie called The Experts. Uh, It's John Travolta and Ari Gross where they play these two club guys who get taken to Russia to kind of make Russia cool. I actually covered it on $2 late fee.
0: I know that cover. I can see that cover in my head, that poster for it.
1: Yeah, and he plays a total douchebag dipshit in that. He's great at it.
0: Dude, it's so weird because... You know, you look through his IMDb, he was in Groundhog Day, he was in Last Action Hero, He's in Last Boy Scout, uh, you know, Hunt for Red October. All these movies that I've seen, and I cannot picture him anywhere in it. And any time I ever think of him, it's only the burbs. It's only art uh, f- from the burbs. And I just can't even visually picture him in another role.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's... Been in a ton of stuff. I know. Um, but obviously, rest in peace, died very young. Yeah. Died at like 62, which, yeah. as you guys know, that is not a good run in my book. No. You got to make it to like 78. Yeah. 78 is a good run. <laughs> uh, someone who did have a good run, though, was Henry Gibson. Uh, he made it to 73. That's a decent run.
0: Yeah. It's it's uh, close. I, I always know him as the head Nazi uh, from the Blues Brothers, but I know where you know him from.
1: Inner space baby, <laughs> baby? <laughs> my god, Jack, he's freaking out. The <laughs> manager of Lucky's or something. Oh my god, but he's in Laughing. I mean, the guy's a legendary actor. Yeah. Um, th- this movie has a legendary cast. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's legendary. Legendary now. I mean, uh, Courtney Gaines is another one who, he's not legendary per se, but that guy has been in a shit ton of movies from you know. Back to the Future. Well, Children of the Corn is where most people are going to recognize him.
0: Yeah, anytime you see him, he's the red-headed, redheaded kid from Malachi from Children of the Corn, right?
1: Yeah, and, and then Camp not Me Love, who yep. gets dog shit on his porch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so sad. And they're like, oh, man. And he's great in this like, as,
0: as Hans.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he's almost unrecognizable, Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, Pinocchio. <laughs> right? Uh, Theodore Gottlieb plays ruben klopek hey Um, rube (laughs) he's
0: he's fucking great he's got the greatest angry face i've ever seen
1: i mean that guy has he's been in i mean he passed away at the age of 94 yeah he. that's a really good run
0: he rocked Uh,
1: he was in the invisible kid which is a trash movie by the way (laughs) um so go seek it out of course (laughs) yes uh yeah he's been in a Things from you know, way back into the we're talking sixties and fifties, so he's been around for a long time. Yeah. I I, I mean, even further back, like nineteen forty six for crying out loud. <laughs> but did he have to give my brother Theodore? That's right that yeah,
0: was what it was yeah he had a weird he had an interesting name it was a different stage name than, than at God that point me.
1: he must have been like I don't give a shit you can put whatever name you want to put on there
0: yeah it was yeah it was a diff- it was weird because I remember it was like a, a proper word and then his name or something you know
1: yeah yeah and then there's Gail Gordon uh who, who did a who lot
0: with Lucille ball back in the day and there's actually in the movie The the pictures that are in his house are him and Lucille Ball, and it's it's funny, you know. I I thought that was great, but he he did a lot of her shows back in the day. That's
1: that's wild, yeah, man. That's cool. Uh, And then we've got two more regulars from the Dante family: Dick Miller and Robert Picardo. Ah, I mean, Robert Picardo again. Like, I mean, they both have been in I think every Dante film, Um, but. Robert Picardo, I know him as the cowboy from interspace space. Of
0: course. And he was also in, uh, explorers. Uh, he was in the movie like that they're watching, you know, on, on the screen or on the drive-in and then he plays, I don't know if he's in the bodysuit or just the voice, but he plays the, the alien.
1: Yeah. I mean, the guy's been in everything. I love Robert Picardo. And of uh,
0: course he was, uh, Eddie Quisp and, um, uh, the howling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. Like uh, small little cameos. Franklin Aj is a detective in the movie. That guy has been in everything. You recognize him from just like, I mean, recently he was in Bridesmaids. But the guy has been in everything from like Stir Crazy to Hollywood Shuffle, which is mm-hmm. a great Robert Townsend movie. Fraternity uh, Vacation. Yeah, baby, he's <laughs> he's just funny. I think he's I think he's he might have been a stand up comedian. Okay, uh, I think that's where he got to start. Okay, and Rance Howard, yeah. who I believe is related to uh, Ron Howard. Yep, that's Ron Isn't Howard's he? dad. Yep, I talked about that on
0: uh, uh, Cartwright because he uh, he pops up twice on Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> once with Newman uh, at, at like a farm, and then earlier on when uh, George loses his glasses, uh, he was in it. Plays two different characters. But yeah, nice. Rance Howard is is Ron Ron and Clint Howard's dad.
1: Rancehauer. Rance. Um did you recognize one of uh, of Feldman's buddies? Fuck
0: yeah, Steve Koontz, fucking Nikki Cat from Nikki so Cat. so many Bit parts, little things like a, like I, I remember the the episode of Friends he was on. He had a small role in um uh Dark Knight. Like he has all these like he pops up in these little roles. Kind of plays a dick a lot of times, you know. Um, but he was in the movie that I absolutely adore, which is Way of the Gun.
1: Way of the Gun is great. He's great in that. Uh, he's great in the Limey. I highly recommend that movie. That movie kicks aish. Uh, yeah, he always, yeah, he quite, he plays a dick. A lot yeah, he's got a <laughs> but he's huge, good at it
0: he's got a huge head of hair in this too and the thing is here's a, here's another little cut for you his other buddy who has the tie-dye shirt that guy's name is billy stevenson spelled the same way as i do and the only reason i discovered him was through workaholics and uh he he i love that show he's they kind of make fun of, of fun of him on that show he's kind of a weirdo and i noticed you know when i was looking at that show i was like no i was like huh His name is Stevenson, so, like, let me go look him up on IMDb. And he's, like, balding now and everything. But in here, you know, and I was like, he's in the burbs? And yeah, he's just one of Ricky's friends. And you can see, like, he's got these deep blue eyes and kind of a a weird, oddly-shaped head. But uh, he's in there, but he definitely is is in Workaholics if you've ever seen that show.
1: That's wild, man. Yeah, that's wild. You know, you you think uh, those two guys, maybe that was their first gig. But, like, Nikki Cat. Nikki Cat, by the way, has been—he was in TV series back in the early '80s. Yeah, uh, he was on *Voyagers* for one episode, mm-hmm. and then he was on uh, the TV series *V*. And he was in *Gremlins*. When, like, these are all like kid roles. He was in *The Get Along Gang*. Get along, gang. Get along, gang. It make it really does make you realize that
0: in Hollywood they say that anyone can become famous, but that's not really true. You kind of have to either know somebody or be in the business pretty much your entire life. And yet you still like Nikki cat, like you're still not like a leading man. And yet you've been working. He's working, which is great, but he's been working his entire life.
1: Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty wild, pretty (laughs) wild shit.
0: It's weird, wild stuff.
1: Weird, wild (laughs) stuff. What am I thinking of? the burbs the
0: burbs <laughs> but yeah dude you're right this cast uh, is is crazy it's a crazy cast of, of who's who um, but at the same time it doesn't feel like the movie tries to like linger on anybody the movie's about the story and I think that's what makes it makes it so much fun
1: right and Zach who who did the score for this the one the only Jerry Goldsmith. Um, he passed away in 2004, but that guy is a legendary composer for movies like LA Confidential and Innerspace, uh, and Congo, <laughs> Congo, Congo. <laughs> it's all, it's all um, that movie in the theater too, by the way. Oh my God. I mean, the, like, I'm just gonna, I'm going to pop out a few from, from this era. Um, and I just have to say he did do Innerspace, but he, he, it, he's not credited uh, as the conductor for for inner space um but i mean like if you go into his filmography the movies he's worked on in some degree uh, i'm just going to list off so like maybe helped out helped arrange if he didn't do the score maybe he helped out with the score extreme prejudice rambo alien nation uh, like poltergeist 2 like uh, you know he helped out with legend um, Twilight Runaway, Zone the movie, Twilight's on the movie, Secret of Nim. Yes, and then of course Deep Rising. <laughs> so I mean, like you know, Poltergeist One. Like the, the like the the guy is a legendary film composer. Rest in peace, Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, delivers a great score. At times, I'm like he's doing some Italian Giallo shit. My f- at one point,
0: my favorite part. Is when the the camera follows Queenie at the very beginning. Follows Queenie from Walter's house to Rumsfeld's uh, front yard, and the music goes from this like mute, like this. It incorporates like this weird barking sound into it. It's like bah, 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 bah. and it's like he like kind of turns the music into the dog's theme. And I'm like, this is fucking so much fun and so genius.
1: Yes, yeah, I I think that's the exact same scene that I wrote down too, uh, where I was like, this is fantastic fantastic music yeah i mean the guy the guy's legendary legendary
0: yeah it's so much fun it's so much fun and like the other comedy movies that we've done before who this one took a while to break down because it's a lot of you know dialogue that you're tracking and everything but man oh man was i having a blast doing it so you want to jump into this thing man because i think we're gonna have a, we're gonna go for a while on this one
1: yeah let's jump into the burbs All Tom Hanks wanted
3: was a quiet vacation at home. This is what I need, Carol. I I need this. Welcome to Mayfield Place. A typical street in the Burbs. Morning, Walter where nothing much ever happened. Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again. Until the Clopex moved in. Clopex? Clopex. Clopex. No one goes in, no one comes out. Neighbors from hell. It was a nice place to live. He said he thinks the Clopex are evil incarnate. Well, you're much too smart to fall for that, aren't you, honey? But now... Carol! You wouldn't want to visit there. Ray, this is Walter. No! Ah! The Burbs. I'm going over the fence, and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. Ray! Ray, do you want him to take your family, kidnap them, tear their livers out, and make some kind of satanic pate? Ah! We found Walter! We got a real problem. I hit the gas line, I'd run! God, I love this street. Tom Hanks. I think we are overreacting. No. The Burbs. It's one hell of a neighborhood. Hey, honey, I think we should move.
0: The movie starts with the Universal logo. I know you love that, buddy. Kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then the Universal title fades away, and we see the Earth spinning in space. And by the way, I love it when movies incorporate the logo uh, of the you know the, the production company. Uh, you know, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, how it turns into the mountain that they're looking at, and all that kind totally. of stuff. Totally.
1: Like Sonic the Hedgehog. Sure.
0: Hey, I've heard good things about Sonic. I haven't seen oh, it yet.
1: I've seen both. They're decent. But okay. This is not a video game movie show.
0: <laughs> I like that you use the word decent, and I literally just lost interest right when <laughs> you.
1: No, they're good. Okay. They're, they're, they're passable.
0: Uh. <laughs> the camera flies down into North America, and eventually lands on a suburban cul-de-sac at night, with the credits playing over it. Uh, and I love the use of miniatures here at the beginning. It almost kind of reminds me of that awesome HBO uh, bumper uh, miniatures that they used to do back in the day.
1: Took the dick right out of my mouth. He <laughs> <Yep. laughs> gonna say the same. I got it in my notes right here.
0: We eventually focus on a rundown old house nestled between cleaner houses. Uh, there are flashes of light coming from the basement of the old house and weird noises. We hear Carol, Carrie Fisher, ask Ray where he's going and uh, and to come back to bed. The, you hear it sort of from the house next door. We see Ray, Tom Hanks, walk barefoot across his lawn and step right onto the property line of the old house next door. He looks around the neighborhood and sees a shadowy figure watching him from a bedroom window across the street. The figure lights a cigarette. Ray turns back to the to the old house as the noise from the basement gets louder. He looks down at his feet, and you can see a very clear line between his yard and the neighbors. Ray's yard is green and mowed, but the other side is dead and brown. As soon as he steps one foot on the other yard, a strong wind picks up and blows Ray back. He stares at the old house for a few moments, then walks back to his. I love this setup, because it sets up like this... A supernatural aspect to it, but there's no supernaturalness to it. I just love that it skirts that line.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, because you're automatically going into this, oh, it's Tom Hanks, it's going to be a comedy. And I think that's probably why it got panned by some people. Uh, but you know what? It, it's a great setup to a freaky film.
0: Yeah, I, I know you, you kind of said you liked it uh, at the beginning, but you didn't really sort of delve into it too much. But you really you enjoyed your time with it this time? <sighs>
1: Oh, I, I enjoyed it more now than I did when I was a kid. Yeah. I, was, I think I was expecting more laughs and less kind of drama uh, when I was a kid. So, yeah, I don't think I en- enjoyed it that much back then, but I enjoyed it a lot more now.
0: And as you get older, we can relate to a lot of things in it.
1: I just so many of these movies I appreciate more so now than I did then. And then kind of the flip with other movies like Explorers. <laughs> Like I want. want to.
2: I, I know. want to so bad. We we
0: both do, buddy. We both.
1: Gremlins. Do. Gremlins is really good, but let's be honest, guys. There's there's moments when in Gremlins when you're like, like Zach Galligan, just like seriously, drip. Yeah. Drip. Yeah, I was drip.
0: never the biggest fan of his growing up, and I do watch Gremlins occasionally on at Christmas time, but mostly I, I sort of lean towards Scrooged and stuff, you know. Yeah,
1: I mean, come on, like let's let's call. I know I'm already people are like, What? You dissing him? And then I'm gonna say wax works so wax work is not very good. And like, oh my yeah. god! Crystal and Aaron are both like I'm going to kill you now. No, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, uh, By the way, just uh put three and four together that uh F- Feldman, yeah, Feldman was in Gremlins. So uh, yep. that tracks. Yep, he was.
0: Yep, he totally was.
1: He's a he's a Dante Reg. Yep. The
0: next day, we see the cul-de-sac, vibrant and alive. A kid is delivering the newspaper from his bike. Joe Dante uses him to introduce us to a couple main characters uh, who all live on the dead-end road. First, we see Ray. Ray puts out his hand to catch the newspaper, but the kid just fucking chucks it right at his arm, as if trying to knock out the coffee mug from his hand. I love how Ray fucking just tosses the coffee at the kid in frustration.
1: (laughs) so funny. (laughs)
0: Uh, Next, we see Walter. He's holding his dog, Queenie. By the way, Queenie was also precious in uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs.
1: Precious. 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 And also a lookalike for Aaron Don Gilmer's dog.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) The paper kid... the paper, paper more? Almost, <laughs> the paper almost hits him in the head and he yells at the kid. Walter then puts his dog down and it runs straight to Rumsfield from Rumsfield's front yard to take a shit. And this is where I notice that the music changes uh, to this weird dog barking thing. But it's not a dog barking. It's like kind of mimicking it with the, the, the instruments. I think it's yeah. fantastic.
1: It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Ray watches Queenie do her dirty deed. Uh, Ray Looks says, like "Real shit." Yeah, that's a nasty shit too. Ray says, "Good morning to Walter," but is miffed when he doesn't get a response. Queenie runs runs back to her home. Next, we see Ricky Corey Feldman uh, walking up to his house from the garage with three cans of white paint. He places them on some speakers he has on his wrapped around uh, porch and turns on the music. Spills some
1: some paint on the speakers. Yeah, why not?
0: By the way, that house, Ricky's house, was the Munster's house um, and from the 60s, 1968. And um, Ray and Carol's house is the Leave it to Beaver house, the Cleaver house.
1: Oh, nice. And then the Slavic's house is... Uh...
0: Blown up. <laughs> Walter's house is apparently is the only house still the same house on that back lot. And this is Universal back lot is where they filmed
1: it. Yeah, yeah.
0: There's a shot later when uh, Bruce Dern's sitting on the roof of his house, and you can totally see it's Burbank in the back, you, you know, behind him and everything. And this is supposed to be, like, Ohio, I think. Or, or not Ohio, it. I'm sorry, like Michigan or something.
1: Yeah, I love it, though. I love that that, that it's all in a, yeah, I love that you could see that. I, I, I was like, I know where that is, and this is not the Midwest. Yeah, because it's got that feel, like
0: – I always love in the old Hammer films how like outdoors were set were sets and I like that. This feels like one of those things like it feels like a set cuz it is a set, but it feels like it in a good way.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I love my sets. <laughs> See Fright Night for example.
0: Yep. Exactly. And this was this was also that was also the Universal backlot as well. Yep. He turns on the so so he puts the places of the, the, the paint on the speaker, spills some. Then he turns on some music, and we hear War Machine by Circus of Power playing while Rumsfeld, uh, and I just call him Rumsfeld, even though it's his last name. His name is Mark Rumsfeld and his wife Bonnie, um, but I just call him Rumsfeld, played by Bruce Dern, walks out of his front door wearing just a vest, vest jacket, shorts, and combat boots. Were you a fan of War Machine by uh, Circus of Power?
1: No, I'm not, okay. I'm not a fan of the songs in this movie. They're very generic to me. Okay. Okay. Which is a shame because I feel like Dante's used better songs in other movies. Case in point, Interspace, one of the best <laughs> soundtracks of that time, Sam <laughs> Cooke could have used like, I don't know, I bet you just couldn't get maybe they couldn't afford Kiss or that would have been cool or.
0: I always assume there's some kind of rights. They couldn't get a hold of something more maybe pop poppy or not poppy, but like mainstreamy type of thing. Something that would get you going.
1: Yeah. I'm like 89. They could have had, you know, winger or Def leopard or some shit like that. Cause he's clearly <laughs> like a hair metal guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. Rumsfield surveys the neighborhood and puts his sunglasses on like a badass. Uh, I also noticed that this is the shot where we see, directed by Joe Dante, it like appears right on his chest. And I'm calling it out because I think that says a lot about like maybe where where you know joe dante was was who he was relating to in this movie or 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 where he wanted to really punch it in but to put his name right across bruce stern's chest like that it has to mean something you know
1: yeah yeah maybe just like that was one of his more favorite characters in the movie
0: yeah his wife bonnie played by wendy shaw right Wendy Shaw. Okay. Walks out in her nightgown and hands him a folded American flag. Ricky says hi to Mr. and Mrs. Rumsfeld, but only Bonnie replies. Mr. Rumsfeld puts the flag on the flagpole and presses a button. The flag ascends while Rumsfeld steps back and salutes. As he's doing so, Ricky calls out for him to watch out for the shit. Queenie left, Uh, but he steps right in it. rumsfeld angrily hops towards walter's house while ricky laughs and says i love that dude and i do i love how much ricky loves rumsfeld
1: yeah he does he does (laughs) no by the way rumsfeld no relation to donald rumsfeld right exactly well maybe he is well and and also well
0: he's rumsfield whereas rumsfeld is f-e-l-d
1: true Yeah. yeah
0: across the street Ray is watching Rumsfield uh, run across the street yelling at Walter Carol asks what he's doing up Walter's dog just took a dump on Rumsfield's lawn again he laughs outside Rumsfield is yelling at Walter's house that his dog has taken his last dump on his lawn if he finds one more he's gonna catch Queenie and staple her ass shut (laughs) Bonnie is trying to get him back inside Queenie starts barking from the window and Rumsfield almost loses his shit (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Right out of the gate, I fucking love it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know why. I love how angry he is all the time. (laughs) Uh,
1: Because he's a Republican.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Fucking exactly.
1: I have to pick a fight with everybody. Uh,
0: Exactly, which is why I think nowadays he's a scary character, but back in 89, he's a goofy old kook, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, we're like, ah, this guy's not gonna take over the country. He's
0: Just harmless. Nice. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He's in the minority. Yeah, but that shouldn't matter, should it? No. It, uh, no. Welcome.
0: Welcome to twenty twenty two, gentlemen. Mm-hmm.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. By the way, uh, uh Hanks in this movie, like this is early on when I when I noticed this, I thought he Jason Bateman has become the new Tom Hanks. Mm.
0: Okay, I can see but that.
1: He's he's the everyman that we can totally relate to now.
0: That can do comedy and drama.
1: Yes, unlike Tom Hanks, who, nah, just, nah.
0: I don't have anything against Tom Hanks, but I never go out of my way to, like, see his movies. But he never bars me from watching a movie, you know?
1: If I had to choose between a Tom Hanks movie now and a Jason Bateman movie now, I would go Jason Bateman full tilt. Yeah. you know. Without even blinking.
0: Yeah. No, it's the same, dude. Fucking same. Inside Ray's house, he's telling Carol that he thinks they should move. They have an arms dealer across the street and a crazy person down it, and all they ever do is fight. Their son is eating breakfast at the table, and Carol is making something in the kitchen. Remember
1: when he's breeding? You notice what he's eating, by the way? Like gremlinos or something like that? Yeah, gremlin cereal, which was a real thing. And then later on, uh, I think... Uh, Hanks is eating freakies.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, freakies. Yeah, I remember the freakies. I never saw the Gremlin cereal, but uh, cereals that I loved back in the day: um, the C three POs, um, the Batman cereal, um, the Ghostbuster cereal that came with the glow in uh, the dark frisbee, the Mister T cereal, and the Nerds cereal that had the two different sides to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the, the Gremlins was a real cereal as well. I didn't. I did not know that, dude. Same, like, corn syrup, corn crap, corn, corn, corn. They they all come from the same thing.
0: They just print them in different shapes, essentially. Yes.
1: But it does the same thing to your insides.
0: Tears it apart.
1: Yep. Gives (laughs) you cavities.
0: (laughs) Yep. Ray goes on. Now these next-door neighbors, the Klopaks. Is that a Slavic name? That's going to be an ongoing gag. They've been here a month I think they're going to do something about their yard. They both stare out the window at the old house. Then Carol turns around and looks at all the food she's making and asks, are you going to eat any of this? Ray says, no, he has a thing with his stomach again. Carol looks annoyed and says, I knew this was going to happen. Ray presses her about what she knew was going to happen. And she says, it's already started. You're going to sit around the house all week doing nothing. Get bored out of your mind and go back to work in worse shape than you are now. Ray disagrees, but Carol insists they pack up the car and go to the lake and get some rest. He doesn't think the lake is relaxing. It's four hours of driving on the tollway in holiday traffic to sit in some dank, wet cabin and wait for the neighbor with the enormous head to get drunk and fall down the stairs. Carol cuts him off and says,
1: He's a hydrosymphalic and I don't think you should make fun of him. <laughs> but Corey did earlier, so...
0: Yes, I did. Uh, Ray says uh, that's not his idea of being restful. Being lazy and hanging around the house is restful, and at the end of the week, he'll be a brand-new human being. Carol just says, it's your vacation, which comes off like it's your funeral. Now, Zach, what's your idea of a vacation? Is it doing a lot of stuff, like having it packed to the gills of things to no. do? Or do you like to, to chill and relax a bit more?
1: Well, if my wife loves to pack it all in, and then I love to sit by a pool and drink a tasty Bev. So Enlisting we some find cool a nice, tunes. Li- we enlist some cool tunes. We, we find a nice compromise, but I will say my birthday is like a week. We're recording this like a week before my birthday. And uh, I, I like to sit by the pool on my birthday and just have my feet in the water and have a drink in my hand. And some lis- listening to some of my favorite tunes, and I'm good to go, baby. Like Boogie
0: Nights, you're a simple man, right?
1: I'm a simple man. I like butter in my mouth and li- uh, lollipops in my ass.
0: <laughs> I knew you were gonna <laughs> threw it at you. I knew you were gonna catch that one, buddy.
1: I'm a simple man. <laughs> I, I got. I like a dollar in my hand. No, <laughs> I'm- no, but that. I tell you, in that pool scene in Boogie Nights, I would just be chilling in the pool.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of like I probably lean a little bit towards more towards you. Um, I don't want things to always be packed in, but I also can't just sit around doing like sort of nothing all day. And I know that's not what you said, but like I, yeah, I do yeah. want to still like do some stuff. But yeah, I don't want it to be packed from like the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep when I'm on vacation. That's just too
1: too much. Yeah, my vacation for my birthday will literally be just sitting by the pool and then watching Cloak and Dagger. That's awesome. And uh, and then and then probably a bad or a $2 late fee movie uh, (laughs) in the evening once Bodie's asleep. Because work never ends. (laughs) Work, work, work. Hello, boys. Hello, boys. (laughs) Where were you last night? I missed you.
0: (laughs) Outside in their backyard, we see a man with a hunting rifle emerge from the bushes. He has a branch around his neck for camouflage. Ray's dog Vince goes running and barking at him, but he just shushes it. The man takes aim at a crow perched on top of a fake owl and fires his gun. He misses the bird but blows the head off the old owl statue. Inside the house, Ray says, Art's got a gun <laughs> and hurries for the door. Outside, Art, ke- Art keeps firing at the crow as it flies past Ray and almost hits him in the head. Ray looks startled, but all Art says is, hi, Ray. Are you guys eating in there?
1: <laughs> and that backyard is disgusting, by the way. Oh, yeah. it's a It's disgusting.
0: Which one? The uh, Ray's backyard? Yeah. Why?
1: Yeah. It looks gross. It like looks totally just like, I don't know, filthy to me. <laughs> I'm like, it looks very, very trashy. I wrote well, that down. I'm like, the backyard is a mess. You go back and watch it. It's like really just like, it looks like dilapidated back there.
0: It's, it's it. Well, maybe he should have been spending his vacation using his new tools to, to clean it up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Instead of reading scripts for like fucking all the dramas he's going to make a few years from now
0: <laughs> for Castaway.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <'cause> <laughs> <laughs> Wilson, <laughs> Wilson. He went from like he went from silly, funny, laughing in money pit to like guttural crying in Castaway. I'm not I Castaway's a good movie. I'm not going to diss it, but I'm just like, "Nah, give me this, give me this." I've, me I've this seen it once. I don't care. I don't care yeah. about
0: Castaway to be honest with yep. you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep Zach's like I'm not gonna defend it I don't care either <laughs> oh, I
1: mean, whatever it's don't all you listeners don't go tell us that you have these movies on DVD like or if you do like don't tell us that you watch them on a regular basis you don't you yep. don't you don't watch Forrest Gump anymore you'd much rather watch The Burbs three or four times than Forrest Gump you, you Forrest don't Gump watch, is not a nah
0: you don't watch Titanic anymore and I agree nope. with you I fucking hate the. I hate hate Forrest Gump hate that fucking movie.
1: I don't hate it, but it just did not deserve the Academy Award for Best Picture. The same year that Shawshank Redemption came out. Yeah. Masterpiece of a movie.
0: Yeah, no. Forrest Gump, I loathe it. To quote yep. uh, Newman from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to art. Uh, Rick Ducumon. Jesus, why can't I say his last name, dude? Dukemon!
1: Ducumon, Jesus Christ. I'm probably, Pokemon, just think Pokemon. Ah,
0: okay, okay, all right. Cut Rick to Duke-a-mon. art rick dukemon at the breakfast Duke-a-mon. table there you go
1: dukemon
0: dukemon <laughs> all right for the third time i don't know if i'm gonna cut the first two but i'm trying to get this is funny <laughs> cut to art rick dukemon <laughs> <laughs> Pokemon. gotta pokemon. catch em pokemon. all pokemon did i say it right or did i say it wrong just then pokemon po- pokemon dukemon dukemon pokemon 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 <laughs> fuck me <laughs> cut to art <laughs> At the breakfast table. Just cut to Art. <laughs> <laughs> eating his food, eating their food. Carol Carol replaces the empty dish with a new one, while Art talks about how his wife hates the crows using her bird feeder, so he got the gun to pop a few of them.
1: His, his wife hates him, too, by oh, the
0: way. Yeah. Oh, he, he. I don't think he likes his wife, either. Ray asks why Art didn't go with his wife to her mother's house for the holiday week. Art replies with, hey, I'm eating here, okay? Can you imagine me and the two of them alone for a week? I'd rather chew broken glass. Uh Uh-uh. This is going to be a big week for the bachelor kid. Dude, I feel so bad for people who, like, hate their in-laws that much, you know? Or just
1: hate their life that they're living. Yeah. You know, like, come on. I, w- I remember watching this when I was a kid thinking how annoying he was and like, I'm never going to have a neighbor like that. <laughs> now I do. Um, so, I know. you know, <laughs> yeah, you do know, like, the like people who complain about their life all the time. No, fix it. Change it. And,
0: and, you know, you watch this movie and as we get older, you realize the different archetypes that they're trying to totally. sort of, yeah, they all, they're all different archetypes and yeah. We all know uh, an art. We all know them, and and he's he's almost like a proto Kramer esque type of character. Yeah. You know, he always comes over just to eat the food and steal everything and consume resources essentially.
1: Kramer was a uh, was was just a better dude, though. I think yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. Kramer, Kramer had a better heart.
0: Yes, agreed. Kramer's a better human being at the end of the day. Yeah, Co- Cosmo Kramer.
1: If he only was like that in real
0: life. <laughs> exactly.
1: You know, my ex-wife dated Michael Richards.
0: D- didn't she also date Mark Ruffalo, too? Or was she just no, friends she with him? No,
1: she was best friends with Mark Ruffalo. Who, um, who you high have a beef with.
0: with. So, like, you actually, you and Mark Ruffalo do not like each other.
1: No, he just doesn't remember me. And even though he was, like, part of my wedding, so.
0: He can go fuck himself. How about that? <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, but who's the guy who plays Chandler on Friends what Oh, is this guy? Matthew yeah. Perry? Yeah, Matthew Perry. Yeah, she, she was, like, BFFs with him, slash maybe dated him for a minute okay but she dated Uh,
0: michael richards though
1: she did for a minute and confirmed that he was angry and racist back then too jesus Christ! before he had his tirade so well i'm you heard it here first exclusive
0: well i still love seinfeld and you and i have talked extensively about how we we attempt not always successfully but we try to keep the person away from the character, well, but at the Kramer same time,
1: Kramer is not Michael Richards. Ex- Kramer exactly. is Kramer. Exactly. And, and exactly. I love him in UHF. So, uh, and,
0: and just like how like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't kill 200 people in commando, you
1: know what I mean? No, like he it's did, not, he's he not have sex with his nanny. So is made. Yeah. Or his, <laughs> but maid. Yeah, but, I'm saying
0: he's, <laughs> he's, but you know, he's not John matrix, you know what I mean? And yes. Yeah. And Michael Richards is not Kramer, you know?
1: No, and, and uh Riggs and you know uh, Riggs is Riggs.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it's not it's not Mel Gibson. It's Riggs. Exactly. It's Riggs. Riggs! If there was if there was a GI Joe Riggs figure, I would buy the Riggs figure. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm playing with Mel Gibson. I'd be like, I'm playing with Riggs.
0: Same for for Max Rocketansky.
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go, baby. I'm playing with Max Rokitansky in my pocket. (laughs) He's my pocket hero. (laughs) By the way, those little action figures used to be called pocket heroes.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm glad we moved away from that phrasing.
1: <laughs> Corey's like, you know what my pocket hero is? My hand.
0: My hand. <laughs> hey, <Sorry>. hero. <laughs> okay, so back to the movie. <laughs> As <laughs> artists is saying this, Carol walks by with the dog bowl and sort of doesn't see him grab a handful, and he shoves it into his own mouth thinking it's human food. He looks disgusted, but he it's eats hilarious. it and then asks why Ray isn't at work hilarious scene uh, it is hilarious moment it is ray says he took the week off art asks if they're gonna go into the lake but ray says he just wants to hang around the house and relax art says good luck with those maniacs you got living next door carol asks if he's met uh, the Klopex yet but he says no nobody on the block has but he did talk to the real estate broad that sold them the house. Uh, their last one burnt to the ground. A hideous, raging inferno. Ray says, neighbors from hell. And yeah, he, I love how he's like, the real estate broad. Art says, whatever it is, I'm, sh- I'm sure glad I'm not the one who lives right next door to them. I mean, let's face it. These clopecks are strange. As he takes more food, including a full pineapple, out of their fridge to eat. Art goes on. I've been watching the house since the day they moved in. No one goes in. No one comes out. No visitors. No deliveries. What do you think they're eating over there, Ray? Ray says that maybe they just want to keep to themselves. Remember when the Naps lived next door? How many conversations did you have with the Naps? I had two. They didn't even say goodbye when they moved, which we find out later why. Yep. Art says at least they were semi-normal. They worked in their yard. They mowed their lawn. They had a lawn to mow. Then he takes a bite out of cold leftover ribs from the fridge and goes on. These clopecks, we don't even know how many of them there are. Ray's son Dave interrupts Art and says uh, there are three of them and they only come out at night. Ricky, Ricky Butler says they're nocturnal feeders. Last week when I was up on the roof with my telescope, I saw them in their backyard. Carol asks what they were doing. He says digging, and takes a bite out of his apple. And I like how there's a cool shot of like him eating the apple, uh, like face to face with um, Art, who's eating the ribs, and they're kind of both eating at the same time. And uh, at the same time, Art takes a bite out of his cold ribs. And he's uh, and says to Dave with a full mouth, kind of like grave diggers. Dave says maybe. Ray says that's enough, and ends the conversation by telling Dave that he wants him to stop spying on the Klopex and for Art to stop filling his head with crazy theories. Ray leaves the room to put on his vacation togs as Art keeps eating and Carol looks annoyed.
1: The only the thing I took away from this scene was that I haven't had ribs in years <laughs> and I wanted a rib sandwich so bad on white bread with mayonnaise and mustard. Ooh, sounds good, buddy. Sounds real oh, just good. just slice that. Oh, just slice it off and warm it up just a little bit so it's softer. Mm-hmm. Of oh, course, man. yeah, of course. Oh. But I'm like watching that going, I haven't had ribs. I don't I haven't had red meat. In a, over a decade, and I'm just like, oh, that looks really good.
0: So behind the scenes, <laughs> apparently uh, Tom Hanks didn't want to have a kid character, uh, because he was one, he was apparently, according to IMDb, like the trivia and stuff, apparently he was concerned about the um, the, the image of he, him playing a dad, because he hadn't up until this point, and he kind of wanted also for the him and Carol's characters, or him and Carrie Fisher's characters, to be kind of like a different kind of parents, or uh, suburbanites. Not parents, but just like a, a husband and a wife, but I think they made the right choice um, in having him have a kid, because I think what works the best about this is how stereotypical each like all the couples are. I think it's the stereotypes juxtaposed with the crazy wackiness that goes on is what makes it work. But I also think that's why you really don't see the Dave the kid in it much and I always even forget that he has a kid in the movie.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense um, I I yeah like the kid kind of humanizes him a little bit. Versus but, being a wacko.
0: But he's almost a non... The kid's almost a non-entity in the movie, though.
1: Yeah, but there's always that idea in the back of his mind that maybe the reason why he's so irritable all the time is because he has an annoying son.
0: There you go. There you go.
1: <laughs> you heard it here, folks. I didn't say that about mine. No, I know.
0: No, <laughs> Bodie's the best, dude. No, we, yeah, we all he know is. that. Bodie rocks. Is. We all know that. <laughs> Out, outside, Mr. and Mrs. Rumsfield are working on their front lawn. Bonnie is wearing a two-piece outfit, and Mr. Rumsfeld is wearing a full gardening outfit. Uh, I know she's talking about gardening, but he's not listening. He's just staring at Walter's perfect yard. Boy, that really. Talking about her
1: zinnias, huh? She's talking about her zinnias. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, we're gonna. Ricky's gonna be looking at her zinnias soon. Boy, that really burns my ass. That old fart, he's got the best lawn on the block. But, of course, we see a, a shot of Walter standing in front of his lawn holding Queenie while a lawn service guy sprays it with chemicals. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, yeah, he's rich. He just doesn't do even do it himself, you know? Yep. Rumsfield continues, and you know why? Because he trains his dog to crap in my yard. <laughs> we see Ricky looking at Bonnie's backside as she's bent over gardening. Hey, Mrs. Rumsfield. No tan line this morning. Looks nice. And she smiles back at him while Mr. Rumsfeld just looks at her and says, That kid next door is a meatball. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves her some Ricky. or though. She loves the attention from Ricky.
1: I mean, he's old enough.
0: Yeah, may not. Did you have any hot neighbors in growing up as a kid in your neighborhood?
1: Unfortunately, no. Oh, uh, Terry Hatcher lived uh, uh, on the other side of the fence from me.
0: Oh. K,
1: <laughs> not not lying.
0: Where was this in Sunnyvale? Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale okay. kept,
1: yep. She was. Uh, she went to Homestead, and then I saw her decades later, and, and I said that to her, and then I found out that's where, like, she was like, unfortunately like assaulted or oh. something bad happened, and okay. was like, "Oh, sorry, didn't mean to open up that wound."
0: But but I I was your neighbor. I I was I your didn't neighbor. Do the I was no, a kid. <laughs> I was
1: just like a teenager. Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, Terry Hatcher. She lived on the other side of my fence.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I had a had a hot neighbor across the street too. Um, but I had famously, my high school had no hot teachers whatsoever. All uggos, every last one of them. That sucked.
1: But she has Sean Whalen at your school. So. I,
0: I did, but but that was like twelve years before me. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: but if you're interested, guys, check out Sean Whalen. Yeah, the interview we did with him. It's great.
0: Yeah. Across the street, Ray and Art come out of Ray's garage. Rumsfield says to Bonnie, Peterson, he came out in his robe last night when the foreigners were making all that racket. He didn't do one thing. Cut to a closer shot of Ray and Art in the garage. Art asks what he's going to do on his vacation. Ray says he's thinking about building something with the new tools he got from Carol's dad for Christmas. Art is barely paying attention because he's too busy staring at Bonnie in her outfit gardening across the street. (laughs) Ray and Art uh, shoot the shit as Art walks down Ray's driveway. Just then, Art notices the youngest Klopek, Courtney Gaines, walk out of the old house and tells Ray to come out to the street. Ray stands next to Art in the street as they both look at the kid on the porch. Art says, "What is it?" Ray says, "It's my neighbor." And that's the awesome writing that I fucking love. And as a kid, didn't like all that, like that's that's the subtle shit that like went over my head. What is it? It's my neighbor. I love that shit.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's very well written making you think, "Oh, did did the guy who wrote Georgia the Jungle write this?" Yeah, surprisingly. <laughs>
0: Did you I didn't see that but I remember it. Like did you ever see no, it? No man.
1: And I love people who are like, "Oh, I love Brendan Fraser." No, you didn't. You didn't love Brendan Fraser. You didn't. You, you loved
0: Encino like, Man because it inhabited a certain period of time and Polly Shore was in it and yes. you, and we all loved we, we fell in love with Brendan Fraser in the Mummy. That was where everyone liked Brendan Fraser.
1: He was good in that. Yeah. Pauly Shore is the best thing about Encino Man and that's it.
0: Yeah. i honestly I I hate Encino Man. I hate that movie. So do I. Because I think
1: uh, Sean Astin is a dipshit in that movie. He's a douche. He's I, a douche.
0: And I, I, here's the thing: as I've gotten older, <laughs> I, mean, I look. Shore is great. I look back sort of fondly on Poly Shore, but when I was a kid, I didn't really gravitate towards Poly Shore when I, when I was younger. Really? Yeah. I,
1: I like him. I like. I like that Poly Shore. I like he. I tapped out after Son in Law. I think.
0: You know who I was more into at that age? Um, and I don't think they're in the same category, but I was a big Chris Elliott fan when I was younger.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris Elliott's awesome. Um, definitely more our style of humor now. Yeah, yeah. But I, there, was some, there was a charm about Pauly Shore when he would be like, ah, ah, like when he would get in trouble or something. It's fucking funny.
0: And I agree with you now but I didn't feel that way when I was younger, but I completely agree with you now. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? I actually kind of dig poly Shore stuff now. Like if I go back yeah. and rewatch it,
1: I used to listen to his comedy uh, album on cassette, <laughs> nice. that one in the dice album yeah. on repeat. Yeah. And I'm getting in trouble. It's they're like, what are you listening to? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I got in trouble because I was wearing listening to dice. My teacher asked me what it was and found out dice.
0: Yeah. My probably favorite comedy album of all time was the, um, the Adam Sandler one with the goat and everything. I probably listened to that I mean, one. Is that
1: the one where he is smoking weed from a, a pencil shaving? And they're like the guy's like, "I'm so high right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so high, buddy." And he's like, "Are you so high?" Because those are pencil shavings. Really? I thought these are. I thought it was marijuana, man. I think it's like him and David Spade.
0: Yeah, and this one we did like the longest piss and everything. It was, it
1: was <laughs> yeah, crazy. dude, that's a funny. That's a funny. Yeah, comedy. dude, I still oh, comedy album I man. still quote
0: the goat, man. I'm like they fucking superimposed me, man. What am I
3: gonna do? I'm a
1: goat.
0: <laughs> I love the goat. Oh shit! Quick love goat it. thinking. I <laughs> love it. I still say that. I still say quick goat thinking sometimes. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Rumsfeld notices the scene and says, "Hey, one of the Huns came out of the cave." Bon- <laughs> Bonnie looks up and lowers. One of the Huns.
1: Head. I fucking love that line. Yeah. One of the Huns came out of the cave. Attila <laughs> the Hun.
0: I'm telling you, dude. Everyone in the neighborhood including Walter, Ricky and Dave stops what they're doing to look at the Klopex house. We see from the the we see from Hans's point of view as he surveys everyone on the street looking at him. Queenie barks at him. Art says to Ray, "Why don't you go say hi? This would be the perfect time to go up and talk to him and see what he's like. Go." Ray kind of like looks scared. You could go say go say hi to him too. Uh, they they proceed to fight about whose neighbor he is as the young klopek slowly walks back into his house. Art tells Ray that he blew it and starts calling him chicken and making chicken clucking sounds. He says, <laughs> "It's one asshole, he says, you know you look like a chicken in front of your son and everything. This pisses Ray off and he grabs Art by the sleeve and they both march up to the old house. That's kind of a dick move, like saying, like, you, you look like a chicken in front of your son. I can see why as I get older I see why that would really galvanize Ray and piss him off. And I don't think that was arts intent. I think he was just being a dick.
1: Yeah, there's some like you were talking about earlier there's um some kind of stereotypical tropes that go on in this and that's one of them. It's like don't be a don't be a wimp in front of your in front of your kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't you be a chicken. You know, it's it's they're, they're, I mean, at the same time, they're also clearly like kind of like high school kids, you know, and that's totally the, the trope that that even grown men sort of act like kids still, you know, and that's this yep. whole movie is based on that, essentially. Oh, yeah. Big time. Rumsfeld, with a smirk on his face, says to his wife, they're daring each other to ring the doorbell <laughs> back at the front yard uh, of the house. Ray is yelling at Art. Why don't we both go say hello? Or are you chicken? Ricky yells from his yard, go for it, Mr. Peterson. Yeah. Art and Ray turn around and see the whole neighborhood watching them. Art throws down his gum and says, okay, I'll go with you. Sure. Right. Okay. No problem. They take a breath and start walking up to the front door. Art looks around as the wind picks up and suspenseful music starts playing.
1: This is the part where this this is the part where the music was totally Giallo uh, Morricone inspired. I was like, ooh, this is he's channeling some uh, some, you know, seventies Italian horror right now.
0: And I was gonna say at, at eighty nine that, that would be a perfect influence, uh, Giallo films would be a perfect influence on this.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I think it's obvious. I'd love to get David's thoughts on this. I, I think uh, David Irons, you know you're, you're you know you watch this scene and you're like, oh yeah, I can see that.
0: Yeah, he he definitely is the authority on on that uh, uh you know genre of horror.
1: He's the authority on a lot of things.
0: Go to, uh, check out Seven Winters Alone. Go check out the hundreds of other amazing horror novels that David has written. He is prolific. He is amazing, and we love him to death.
1: If you uh, if you go to the beach this summer and you're reading a book on the beach, as as many people do, and and you think you want to look cool, you know, people are like reading the new Oprah book, uh, whatever her pick is, and and people are, and that's cool. Like people are like, oh yeah, you're reading the new, uh, drop my flowers on 34th Street, you know, or whatever by by Shanana <laughs> But you could be reading a book by David Irons by the beach, and people would be like, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, they, him, whatever. Uh, what are you reading? And they'd be like, I'm reading Polybius by David Irons. I'm reading Seven Winters Alone by David Irons. I'm reading...
0: Don't Go to Wheelchair Camp by David Irons.
1: Any one of his books. And suddenly they'll be like, are you single? And they'll go, <laughs> yes. And they say, well, do you want to hang out sometime? Yes, I would. In a I'm love gonna, connection. Or, what yes. Or if they say, are you single? And you're like, I'm not single. And they'd be like, "Well, uh, that's that's cool too, but you know what? That book is awesome. It looks great. I should check it out."
0: it <laughs> has a great a, cover by Suspirialand.
1: Oh my god! And people are gonna be like, "Where'd you get that?" Just go, like, go check out David Irons' books in uh, Sus- Suspirialand. It's all good.
0: Yeah. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages.
1: Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone?
3: Podcasting After Dark presents
1: Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons, available now in paperback and ebook.
0: And now back to the show. The ca- and I do love this. The I love how the camera quickly dollies in on everyone's eyes that are watching them, like an old Western film, like a spaghetti
1: and again, Western. Again, Morecone, mm-hmm.
0: As they are walking up to the front door, Art's foot goes right through the porch floor and he Hilarious. falls over. <laughs> One of two uh, porch pranks. Uh, Ray says he isn't paying for that. Art says we should sue them. Ray bangs on the door and it causes the last digit in the house's wall number, 669, to fall over and turn into 666. Ray bangs again, and the frame holding the street number falls over, knocking out the light under it and revealing a mess of bees in the wall. The bees attack Art and Ray as they run into the street screaming. Rumsfield thinks on his feet and tells Bonnie to get the gardening hose. He tells them to run to him as he's running towards them. But the hose isn't long enough, and Rumsfield is pulled backwards and lands on his ass. Hilarious ricky cracks up zach cracks up
1: it's relatable i because i was attacked by hornets once
0: oh okay and just spray them down with water gets them out like especially if they're all in your clothes and shit like that which is what's happening here
1: well i was running a summer camp and they were they attacked all the kids at camp and i'm and i didn't have water to put on them uh so I was pulling them off I was pulling the hornets off of the kids with my bare hands and crushing them with she, my bare hands.
0: Were your hands swollen afterwards from all the stings?
1: I got stung uh 10 times. One of my kids got stung 13 times. Jesus. The kid who who aggravated the hornets that made all the hornets come out, he didn't get stung once. Of course,
0: that's of course. But they
1: chased us in, they chased us, the hornets chased us into the house and I killed I kid you not I killed 30 hornets that day. Dude. On my stepping on them and with my bare hands.
0: Hornets are no fucking joke, man. No joke. They'll just
1: keep going. So this scene, as funny as it is, I'm like relatable
0: so Zach's kind of like cowering and shaking in the corner as this scene is playing <laughs> yeah
1: there's a lot of like this whole movie like I'm reliving really tragic uh, in- intense moments of my life
0: <laughs> but it's good physical comedy by Bruce Dern man because that's really him fucking landing on his ass too it's all not, of them it's yeah. not him later falling off the roof but it's it's him landing on his ass here
1: yeah that that looked painful <laughs> yeah
0: but you're right. All of them, dude, they're running, they're they're rolling around in the yard and everything. It's 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 awesome. It's great energy. Um, Rumsfeld does recover and sprays down Art, you know, Ray and Art, while Ray's son, Dave, just looks disappointed at his fucking father. Dave. Fuck, fuck, Dave. <laughs>
1: fuck, fuck that little kid.
0: Ricky runs over. Don't, t- don't,
1: don't, don't, don't fuck that little kid. <laughs>
0: Thank you for clarifying that, Zach. <laughs> Ricky runs over and tells them uh, that the same thing happened to him last week, but instead of bees, it was a foaming squirrel. Rumsfield takes off his sunglasses and says, in Southeast Asia, we'd call this type of thing bad karma. The camera pans down, and a bee flies out of Art's mouth, and it's alive, but you can tell, oh. you can tell it's a fly. You can actually tell it's a fly.
1: Yeah, but still, the idea is d- 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 disgusting.
0: And, and I got to say, so as the camera is on Bruce Dern, that means uh, Rick has to have that that uh, that fly in his mouth the whole time, and he kind of, like, lets it out and spits it. And I, I don't think that fly probably survived, but who gives a shit, you know? But, like, I wouldn't want a fly in my mouth, dude.
1: It's got to be fake. You think that was real?
0: Oh, yeah, that was real. And PETA don't give no shits about no flies, dude. That was 100% real. You can see the fucking thing moving and everything. Ant-Man you does. see the fucking thing trying to escape for its life from uh, from Art's mouth. From inside the Klopax house, we can see someone watching our intrepid heroes recover in Rumsfield's lawn. Later that night, we can hear Ray fighting with Carol about going to the lake. Then he says he's going to take the dog for a walk and heads outside. He takes Vince to Art's yard where Art and Ricky are sitting on the front front porch talking and drinking beers. Ah, uh, good old the 80s when, uh, you know, a 40-year-old man is sitting on his front porch at night drinking a beer with a with a 17-year-old boy.
1: Well, he's 18. Yeah, sure. Sorry, he's legal. Sure. Well, but well, we're not legal to drink.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: What the fuck? Yeah. Well. Hey, hey, Ricky, you want to come over to my house and drink some beers with me? My wife's out of town. Wink, wink.
0: It's... It it looks weird under a different different light, doesn't it? Yeah, it's
1: a little bit of a different stroke scenario. Mm -hmm,
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Art says to Ricky, (laughs) he comes over here to smoke cigars. His wife won't let him. He doesn't know I know that. Hey, Ray, how you doing, bud? (laughs) Ray pulls a cigar out of his pocket, and Ricky gives him a light. Art says, it's a lovely night. Ricky says, yeah, green sky tonight. Green sky morning, neighbor take warning. Ray asks, Green Sky at night, Ricky smirks and says, neighbor take flight. Then he turns around to Ray and says, did you ever see the movie The Sentinel, Mr. Peterson? It's about the old guy who owned the apartment, which is kind of like the gateway to hell. I was doing some thinking, and you know, being that their last house burned to the ground and all, it's like maybe somebody left the gate open. Just then, a low rumble comes from the Klopex house, and Art says, it's them, they're moving around again. Then Art steps off his porch and says, you know, it was a night just like this that it happened. Ricky asks, what happened, Mr. Weingartner? Art tells him the story of Skip.
3: You know, it was a night just like this that it happened. What happened, Mr. Weingartner? Oh, it was a long time ago, Ricky. Hinkley Hills was a lot smaller then, safer too. You never had to lock your doors. Everybody knew everybody. I must have been maybe, oh nine, ten years old. You know where the big mall is? Yeah. Well, there used to be a big drugstore store down on the corner there. It had, had a big soda fountain in it. You remember that? Yeah. yeah the guy who ran it was a, was a rotund guy. He had glasses. His name was uh, Skip. Lived over an Elm, had a wife, a uh, couple kids. You know, not too sharp. I mean, hey, the guy's 40 years old. He's wearing a paper hat, and he's making cherry cokes. It's a cinch he's not running for governor, right? <laughs> anyway, it got hot that summer. I remember it got real hot. It was sweltering. You know that heat where your underwear sweats and it crawls up the... Anyway, it's hot, okay? And they start They start smelling this, this really vile stench over on Elm, and they figure it's coming from Skip's place. And no one wants to say anything. I mean, what do you do? Go knock on the guy's door? Hi, your house stinks? So, so people are trying to ignore it, right? They're trying to pretend it, it isn't happening. And, and you know those pine things? They're trying to cover up with those pine things that you put in cars. People are hanging those on their porches. (laughs) Oh, you think that's funny, Ricky? Well, yeah. Well, yeah? Let me tell you what happened next, okay? The state health inspector shows up. They go over. They talk to Skip. He says he's got a sump pump problem. They leave. Hey, the guy's got a little sewer problem. He says he'll look after it. Everything's okay, right? Wrong. Wrong. A couple hours later, there's smoke pouring out of the windows of Skip's house. The firemen show up, they go into Skip's house. You know what they find? What? Skip's family, dead, murdered by Skip, weeks earlier, with an ice pick. Yeah. The guy killed his whole family with an ice pick. Yeah. Yeah, just put him in the cool basement, cover him up with a sheet, and went back to making ice cream treats for the townsfolk. Only thing skip didn't count on there being a big heat wave that summer you know what that was that all those people were smelling over on Elm, Ricky what skip's family's bodies decomposing in the summer heat yeah apparently one day skip just made one too many lemon phosphates oh snap-o. I remember that I, re- I remember hearing about that when I was a kid they 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 tore down the soda fountain that fall. You know, these towns are full of those kind of stories. Sometimes they're happening right under your nose. You know, speaking of noses, ever since his family has moved to this block, I've been noticing a weird kind of odor.
1: kind of like
3: Oh! <laughs> oh, jump a little higher, to... Oh, i not... Sorry, Mr. Peterson, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to walk. Oh, apologize! I'm going home. Oh, come on! Don't be a weenie. I'm sorry,
0: it Mr. Peterson. It was a Peterson. joke. It was
2: a joke. Hey, I'm gonna
3: go do something productive. I'm gonna go watch television.
0: Um, and I do like that the Skip story, man. I. You know, obviously, best case scenario is Jaws, the the USS Indianapolis thing.
1: But I love it when people tell stories in a movie. So do I. Uh, And this had levels to it that were interesting because it's again, this is like a dark comedy, but there's it's still a horror comedy. So it's got that edge to it. Um, Have you seen The Sentinel, by the way? I
0: saw it once a long, long time ago. Scared the shit out of me, and I would love to see it again.
1: Yeah, that's one. That's one that we should bring back. Um, maybe we'll do it on a, like a, a watch list with uh, like top five because it, it's got some intense like scenes that'll just stay with you. Yeah, I, I do. I do love that movie.
0: I do remember it being very memorable and very scary,
1: just like Don't Look Now. That uh, Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie movie. Oh, yeah. Mm Yeah. They came out in in the 70s. They're both from the 70s. But That same idea of like shocking moments in the movie where you're like, scares the shit out of you. Yeah. Cut to
0: a little bit later and Ray and Carol are watching Jeopardy and keeping their own score as they're playing. Ray is eating dry, freaky cereal out of the box. So you called that out earlier. That is a real cereal from back in the day. I do remember that one.
1: Keeping score separately.
0: Yeah. So, like, do you ever did you ever do that with Jeopardy? Back, year? I never did.
1: I never did that. Man. I mean, I get how popular that show was slash is, and I was never the guy who's like, you oh, know, let me get my notebook out and oh god damn it! Like, I can see them getting annoyed with each other, upset, you know, competitive. I'm not that kind of guy. Come on, yeah. The, no,
0: me neither. Me yeah, I, I'm not either. Yeah. No. <laughs> Across the street at Ricky's house, he has a girl over. She asks about his parents, and Ricky says they won't be home till Tuesday. He puts two chairs out on his porch so they can watch the neighborhood shenanigans. He says, Gail, I swear to God, this is better than anything on television. This is real. This is my neighborhood. We see Art leave his house, and as Ricky says, here he comes, right on schedule. God, I love this street. I'm actually doing pretty good, aren't I?
1: Yeah, no. I was just gonna say you're doing a fantastic job. Thank
0: you, thank you. I do, and I also do love how much Ricky loves his neighborhood. I, I, I very much enjoy that aspect of this movie because he could have easily been the character like I don't give a shit or whatever, but he's in love with his neighborhood. I think that's really fun.
1: Because he killed his parents and they're in the, in the basement.
0: Probably, <laughs> yeah, that's that's dark, but uh, you're probably not wrong about that either, because he's living a good life right now.
1: Yeah, uh, no
0: one's gonna find out what happened to him, man. <laughs> it's all good. My pa- my co- parents are done, man. <laughs> yeah, my cousin's coming over. He says that all the
2: time.
0: <laughs> Art sneaks over to Ray's window and taps on it. Ray and Carol turn around and Art ducks down, then pops back up and points to the front door. Ray begrudgingly joins him outside. Ricky says to Gail as Art and Ray meet up, You see the guy with the curly hair? That's Mr. Peterson. He's like the skeptic. He's basically grounded in reality and he doesn't want to believe his neighbors are up to something strange. You know, because if they were, he'd have to deal with it, right? And I was like, you know what? I was like, shit, I never kind of put that together. I was like, yeah, he just doesn't want to deal with this shit. Like, he's like, yeah, if, if they're doing something, fuck, I'm the one next door. I'm going to have to deal with it.
1: Yeah, he's what, Dante or Randall? Yeah,
0: he's a Dante. He's definitely a Dante. I'm not supposed to be here today. Yeah, very good call. Good, good connection. We see Ray and Art go meet up with Rumsfeld in his front yard. He's carrying an infrared scope. They hide behind Rumsfeld's front yard tree and look at the Klopex house through the scope. Art wants to use it to look through the barred-up basement windows, but Ray and Rumsfeld pull him back. Ray says he doesn't think this is a good idea, and Rumsfeld calls him a frady cat. As they're arguing, Rumsfeld tells them to be quiet. They hear a low-frequency hum coming from the Klopex house. It gets louder, and the guys have to plug their ears. All of a sudden, bright lights start shooting out of the basement windows and listening, and lightning hits the roof of the house. Ricky and Gail fall out of their chairs. Once everything dies down, Ray, Art, and Rumsfield slowly walk over to the Klopex house, but before they even make it to the street, the house's garage opens and an old car drives out. The guys dive behind Rumsfield trash cans and watch as the youngest Klopek drives the short distance to the street and takes a large trash bag out of the trunk and forces it into one of the metal cans on the curb. He backs his car into the garage and closes the door. Art says, I can see the news report now. They were a quiet family, kept pretty much to themselves. No one would have suspected foul play. It starts to rain and Ray says, I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody drive their garbage down to the street and then bang the hell out of it with a stick. I've never seen that. They all stand up as it pours down rain. Art says he wants to get a look at those garbage cans. Ray pushes back and says it would be a bit suspicious if they do it now. Rumsfeld agrees and suggests they scope it out in the morning. Everyone goes inside and Ricky says to Gail, rain delay, bummer. We see a light come on in the Klopex upper bedroom, and we see someone's silhouette looking outside at Ray's house. So, one thing I learned, or I guess I noticed while while doing this on my tablet. I, I took notes on my computer. Can someone explain to me why backyard is one word and front yard is two words? Because that <laughs> fucking drives me insane. Anyways, <laughs>
1: I couldn't tell you. <laughs>
0: Later that night, we see Ray in his pajamas looking out at the Klopex backyard. Three hooded figures are digging human-sized holes in the torrential downpour.
1: There's a scene in a little bit of a movie that's on the TV horror film. I'll ask you if you track one of them. And I'm like, oh, that's where they were a little influenced by those uh, robes.
0: I will tell you that I knew two of them. And did not know the first one, but we'll discuss uh, oh, good. We'll discuss when we get there. Because I actually don't know what it is, and I was curious. If you know it, uh, tell me at that point. Oh, I know it. Because <laughs> I also know they had to blur out the boobs in it, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Here we go. I love this scene. By the
1: way, this movie's rated PG. This is after the PG-13 rating. Yeah. I would not have given that. This this should have been a PG 13 movie based on the tone.
0: I agree. Just on the tone alone, I think this should have been PG 13. And if it came out today, it most definitely would be PG 13.
1: Yeah. You're not bringing a little kid to this movie. No. It's going to scare the shit out of him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed.
1: Well, literally the shit will come out of the child. <laughs> Mommy.
3: <laughs>
0: I know you love this scene, buddy. The next day we see two garbage men played by Dick Miller and Robert Picardo. picking Dick up the tr- picking up the trash in front of the Klopex house and talking about a new age guru. Picardo's character is trying to convince Dick Miller's character to go to a seminar, but he's bowl- he's a- he has his bowling league that night. I don't know, man. It—I it, didn't track a lot of the conversation here, but I love the two of them together. I just—I love the energy of the two garbage men in this scene.
1: Yeah, you don't need to. I mean, the the, the scene there, like you said, there's a lot of improv going on, so I'm almost there's no need to track what they're talking about. But the banter is just silly between the two of them in their great. ricardo look looks really young too by the way
0: he does i mean dead heat he's dead heat young right yeah because we saw him at the beginning of that bro uh, right? dead heat was 88 right yes yeah yes yes just then art comes running out of his house yelling for the garbage men to stop he grabs the trash can out of their hands and empties its contents in the street dick miller tells him to cut it out Robert Picardo takes another bag and dumps it on the street, too, saying he's helping. Inside, Carol is about to make a phone call to the people that own the lake cabin, but Ray puts his hand on the phone and stops her. He says he doesn't want to go. Carol relents and says that she and Dave will go while he stays home and spies on the neighbors. This causes Ray to kind of pout. Then uh, they get into a, a fight about how he's spending his vacation. Uh, Dave comes running into the house and tells Ray that tells his dad that art is dumping garbage all over the street outside. We see art in the back of the truck rooting through the trash. Picardo says to Dick Miller, the Supreme court ruled that the person's garbage is public domain. The minute it hits the curb. (laughs) Rumsfield comes running out in his boxer shorts and a robe with only half his face shaved. (laughs)
1: And, and by the way, yeah, go ahead. No,
0: so I just, I just think that's a subtle piece of humor too. His, his face is literally half. It's just half shaved.
1: It's hilarious. It's and also this, this garbage truck is really tiny. You're right. It's weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's like a baby truck.
0: And then on top of it, like, I know that it's probably clean because it's not, you know, real trash, but, but you know, they're in the back of it. They're yeah. inside of it. And I'm like, a part of me is like, that's still kind of gross, though, you know?
1: Yeah. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. Improv.
0: <laughs> he frantically asks if they picked up a hefty bag that was bulky and probably a little bit moist. <laughs> Dick Miller says, what the hell is wrong with these people? Picardo says, he has the right to know Vic. Vic. So uh, Dick Miller's character's name is Vic, but whatever. (laughs) Rumsfeld then then cuts between them and climbs into the truck to help Art look through the trash ray flies out the door and runs over to his two idiot friends where rumsfield is arguing over who picks up all the garbage that's scattered in the street now i will say this is as much as i love bruce stern's character this is the most dickish that he is because you know, dick miller's like who's gonna pick up this trash and he's like you are because you're the garbage man and he's like i pick up trash in a can not off the street
1: and i, I just thought it was just a like a kind of a bit demeaning you know nowadays it would Make total sense. White guy with way too much testosterone power.
0: Yep. Telling you people are. what to do.
1: It's not my job. It's your job.
0: Yeah. You're not wrong, buddy. You're not wrong.
1: I'm an asshole.
0: yo yo. <laughs> I park in handicapped spaces and watch handicapped people make handicapped faces. And you know what? <laughs> I don't give a shit. I know that's fucking not politically correct, but I fucking <laughs> love that line, and I fucking say it in my head all the Fucking time. It's okay to be fun. It's okay to make jokes sometimes, people. It's okay. Comedy should always be allowed to make fun of whatever you want to make fun of. Comedy should always be exempt. But okay, the I words
1: get it. and feelings are of Corey Stevenson for podcasting After Dark do not reflect those of co-host Zach Schaefer.
0: <laughs> okay, fine. I'll <laughs> relent.
1: I'll relent. <laughs> I'll relent. I'll relent. I'll relent and I'll repent. Uh, Meanwhile, Myra has like a strap and she's just like come and get it, boy. A, a strap like, yes, on? Mommy. She's going to peg me? No, she's going to slap you with a leather strap. <laughs> she looks like what's his face and people under the stairs. The
0: uh, uh, father, dad, a man. Man Burn.
1: burning hell. <laughs>
0: Bonnie walks out of the house in her tiny nightgown to get the paper and, see, and sees Queenie in the yard. She walks over to her and picks her up. Queenie is dirty and shaking. Bonnie takes Queenie back to Walter's house and walks right by Ray, uh, telling the boys that he saw the Klopex digging in the backyard in the rain last night. Art says, like grave diggers? But Ray is in denial and says that maybe they were looking for nightcrawlers to fish with. Art says, wake up and smell the coffee. What happened is the kids spotted us last night. When we were sleeping, he got up. He went to the garbage can. He took the body, and then Ricky finishes the sentence, he buried him in the backyard. The garbage men are listening to the whole thing, which I like. Dick Miller yeah. says, let's get out of here. Picardo is enthralled and says, I like this. <laughs> but Dick Miller goes on, I hate cul-de-sacs. There's only one way out, and the people are weird. And they sort of bump into Bonnie in her nightgown, holding Queenie and Dick Miller motion her and says, Naked ladies. (laughs) They get in the trash truck and then they leave the mess on the street. And I love that the trash stays there for the rest of the movie. I love that.
1: Yeah, it's great continuity.
0: Yeah. Bonnie says to the guys, does anyone know if Walter left a spare key around anywhere? He must have gone away and forgot to feed Queenie. Cut to Ray knocking on Walter's front door while Art, Bonnie, and Ricky look around. Ricky says he sees something moving inside the house. The front door opens, and Rumsfield is standing there holding a pane of glass and says, A soldier's way saves the day. (laughs) They all walk in the house and see the TV in the living room on and the chair turned over. Rumsfield says these are the signs of a struggle, but Ray doesn't think these things indicate a struggle. Ricky goes upstairs in hopes of seeing Walter's dead body, while Bonnie goes looking for dog food for Queenie. This is when we see a picture of of the actor who plays Walter and like Lucille Ball and everything. I I like that cuz I, I saw I didn't I didn't read the IMDB thing or whatever and I was I paused and I was like is that Lucille Ball? <laughs> is that Lucy? Is that I love Lucy? Do, do, do I love Lucy? Okay.
1: Is that Nicole Kidman?
0: <laughs> is that who play is that who's playing her in the new show or whatever? Apparently, Okay. Yeah. Is that Hulu? I didn't I didn't watch it. I think it is, but is it like a behind-the-scenes thing? Or, uh, anyways, I know. Yeah, you, you're <laughs> no, like, no, I need to keep, expect keep any asking these questions. questions. <laughs> no,
1: keep asking really long questions, and then I'll give you like a one or two-word mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Is her face made out of plastic?
0: Yes. <laughs> um, well, yeah. According to uh, the 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 Northmen, which I watched. Yeah, it is. Apparently, they oh, had plastic no. surgery back in, uh, ba- way back in in the in Norse mythology days. See
1: that—that's the problem with people who get way too much plastic surgery. Because when they go to play these period piece movies, are all rough and gruff. You don't look dirty. You don't look grimy. You look like you, you don't look Barbie doll.
0: You don't look. I don't know. What's the word? Um, human. human?
1: <laughs> Jinx one two three. You owe me coke.
0: <laughs> Ray says he doesn't like snooping around a neighbor's house. Art is already making himself at home and smoking one of Walter's cigars and says, you mean a dead guy's house? Ray sees Art pocket something and tells him to put it back. Art doesn't see the points as they'll all end up at the flea market sooner or later. (laughs) Cut to Bonnie walking into the kitchen to look for dog food. She puts Queenie on the counter, turns around to look for the bowl, and screams. The guys come running into the kitchen. Bonnie yells rat and points at the stove, but Rumsfield just laughs and grabs it. It's just Walter's toupee. He says one thing about these old guys. They don't ever leave the house without their hair. No, sir. Walter left his house in a big hurry. This is one of my favorite micro moments in the entire movie. Art goes to the fridge, pulls out a dish of cookies, just as Ricky opens the door and disintegrates the plate while while Art is still holding it.
1: It's one of my favorite scenes, too.
0: (laughs) Because he's like, hey, guys, cook it. But he just, the plate disintegrates. and He's just looking at it. I fucking love it so much.
1: (laughs) It's really funny.
0: (sighs) This is the last straw for Ray. He grabs Walter's toupee for Rumsfeld and pushes everyone out of the kitchen. Outside the house. Ray has Queenie on a makeshift leash and leaves a note saying that he has Walter's dog and shoves it under the mail slot. He also shoves the toupee through the mail slot. Just then, Queenie starts barking at the Klopax house, and we see an old man stick his head out a second story window. Ray tries to greet him, but he goes back inside without saying a word. <laughs> I'm still thinking about fucking art holding that tray of fucking. It's the best cookies.
1: part of the scene. It's the best part of the scene. It
0: is. It really is. Back at the Peterson house, Carol is feeding both Vince and Queenie. Dave walks by reading a comic book and Carol asks if he's seen Ray. Dave says he's in the basement with art. Carol walks over to the door and tries to open it, but it's locked in the basement. Art and Ray are reading the theory and practice of demonology. They are in mid conversation talking about all the premonitions. Art got wrong in the past, but he pushed back and he pushes back and says, as I sit here, they are Satanists. He flips through the book and says, This book is full of these things, black masses, mutilations, mutilations, (laughs) the incubus, the succubus. I'm telling you, Walter is a human sacrifice. And I I don't know why I love how he emphasizes mutilations. (laughs) Ray starts rubbing his forehead and says, I should have gone to the lake. I should have listened to Carol. Art, Art yells, listen to your wife. Who listens to their wife? You got to listen to me. We got to go down to the religious supply store. We totally. got to get ourselves a couple gallons of holy water. My cousin Jerry's a priest. He can get us a deal. And this is all like this is all, like, married with children, Al Bundy shit, like, that was big in the late 80s, early 90s, the the married husband who just hates his wife. And I just, I feel so bad for those people, you know?
1: I feel so bad, yeah, I feel so bad for people that are in relationships that are just, like, not good. Yeah. Because you can change all that, guys. You can change all that.
0: Exactly, but I guess this, the whole idea back then was, like, you have your, you have all your things. You know what I mean. This is all stuff. This is all just. My whole life is wrapped up here. I yeah. But at the same you time, mean I'm just start like. Start over. I know. At the same time, I'm just like, man. I'm just. I'm glad that I never made that choice, and I. I did at one point, like I was, I was married back in the day in my in my twenties, and I had this moment where uh, I literally was looking at houses in Maryland uh, to buy with my wife, and I'd al- always knew I wanted to move to LA and everything, and I had this moment where I just saw my entire life, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, I saw parts of like the burbs and everything, and I was like, but is this what? Is this what I want the path of my life to go in? And I made that choice right then and there. I equate it to it was it was it was basically I was sitting in the car. I had a mini panic attack as my my then ex or my now ex-wife, my then wife, was looking at the house and I essentially had the Darth Vader moment from Return of the Jedi. I looked at the Emperor. I looked at Luke. I looked at the Emperor. I looked at Luke and I made the decision right there and and. Then divorce happened and all kinds of stuff, but I can remember exactly the moment where I chose I chose life. I chose, you know, a different path. Good choice. Thank you. I mean it was horrible getting there, but thank you. Yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> it always is. Change is, change is hard. But...
0: Exactly. And I would you know what? As tough as some parts were of my life at this point, I can honestly say, I wouldn't change a goddamn thing because I love where I'm at. Exactly. I love being here with you, buddy.
1: Likewise, and you guys will love our Patreon. If you haven't subscribed up to it yet, please do so. It's worth it.
0: I love how you take my heartfelt story and turn it into an ad. Always. I love you, buddy. You're the best. I try. Ray doesn't want to hear any of this. so Ray doesn't want to hear all of this, so he puts his fingers in his ears and starts chanting, I'm not going to listen, while Art keeps pleading with him. Then he pauses and says, Ray, you're chanting. Art opens the book and points to a page and says, unconscious chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. Everyone fucking quotes that. It's so fucking good. And apparently that was improv. Satan is good. Satan is our pal is improv. And it's fucking iconic at this point.
1: Sure is. Sure is.
0: Ray stops chanting and looks at Art. Art points to Ray's head and says, once they get in here, it's over, pal. Later that night, Carol is. You know what? I want to ask you something, Zach. I know you hadn't watched yeah. this a lot. Um, you know when you were a kid, but you 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 know things came across your desk. I imagine growing up and everything. Was that chanting scene? Did that sort of come across your your desk growing? Oh up? yeah,
1: all the time, all the time. It's 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 like the probably the most famous scene in the movie, or quotable. Yeah, agree. The bone scene is the. To this other most famous scene
2: yeah where
0: they look at it and scream and the camera kind yeah. of is, yeah yeah right yeah I love that so much later that night Carol is looking through the book and says to Ray who's sitting on the edge of the bed watching television so let me get this straight the Clopex are offering up Walter as some sort of human sacrifice to Beelzebub Ray, Ray replies that's one of the theories yeah <laughs> great so this is your relaxing week at home huh I wouldn't miss this for the world. A week in Jonestown. Carol puts down the book and gets out of bed. Of course, all our uh, true crime fans will know what Jonestown is a reference to. Hell yeah. Ray asks where she's going, and Carol says, The bathroom. Relax. Ray looks back at the TV, and there's a satanic ritual happening involving a naked woman that's blurred out. He changes the channel to The Exorcist. Then to Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, uh, Ray looks at the TV in horror. What
1: is that first movie, buddy? 1975's Race with the Devil. Okay, I assume you've seen it. Oh, many times. It's a PG movie. No uh, shit. Uh, yep. Unfortunately, it's not available on uh, Blu-ray yet. Hopefully, it will be soon. But it's um, Warren Oates. You know, he uh, Sergeant Hulka from Stripes. Uh, I was going to say of
0: Hall and Oates. Is that who you're referring to? <laughs> no,
1: Warren Oates from Tulane Blacktop and uh, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia mm. and the Wild Bunch. And The no uh, only reason I know
0: that movie is because of Fletch. <laughs> oh, hell
1: yeah, I know. It's, by the way, it's a really cool movie. Okay. Uh, Tulane, all those movies I just listed are great. But uh, And Peter Fonda. Oh, okay. okay. And uh, what's her, uh, Loretta Swit from um, M.A.S.H.,
0: Oh, uh, uh what was, she, was it? Hot Lips or whatever. Yes. Nice.
1: Um, and R.G. Armstrong, uh, who you from? The, uh, from the car. From the car. Yeah, that yeah, guy. Like yeah, but that movie, PG, a little bit of nudity, a little bit of gore, a little bit of this, a <laughs> little bit of that, but a whole lot of creepiness.
0: Cool, dude. If it ever pops up, man, uh, tag me in it. You know, if Dawn of the Discs ever says something, like tag me in it, because I I won't sort of like probably I won't remember the name or whatever. So if you see it, let me know, dude.
1: Yeah, it's it's like these people road tripping. they stumble upon uh, satanists. Cool.
0: Of course the satanic panic back in the 80s. Yeah. So guys and gals, uh if if you're a bit younger uh, growing up and everything, um if you didn't live through the 80s, there was a huge satanic panic back then. Uh very unfounded. Um but uh, uh this movie definitely taps into that Zeitgeist.
1: Yes, unless you're very unfounded, unless you were uh, the Night Stalker. And that guy scared yeah. the shit out of me.
0: Yeah, 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 dude. That shit's wild. Because where I, gr- so I didn't have any of that kind of stuff until the DC Sniper came around. Otherwise, oh, yeah, a lot of the guy. the famous oh, like yeah. killers were either like in New York, or, like Son of Sam, or like the Night Stalker was in L.A. and whatnot. Nothing was ever like in Maryland or DC until the Sniper came, and then we knew what real fear was.
1: Oh my God! Yeah, I mean. We'll have to have Aaron back on the show to talk about serial killers. So,
0: Cut to the later that night and the TV is static, which again, guys and gals, if you remember the 80s, you know how that is at a certain time. the TV cuts off. Ray the wakes, actual
1: power went out or the cable went out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Ray wakes up and feels for Carol, but only the book is in her spot on the bed. He walks out of the bedroom and onto the middle landing of the stairs. Ray calls out for Carol, but just then a large chainsaw blade cuts through the wall and slices their family photo in half. He hops over the side of the stairs and runs into the living room. Ray stands up in front of the fireplace and smoke starts coming out between his legs. We hear Carol uh, call out for Ray from atop a platform, some kind of it's i don't know it doesn't matter it's just all a dream anyways uh yeah. she's in her nightgown and says it's so nice that they have invited the new neighbors over for a barbecue we cut back and we see now ray is stretched out on a large grill with with hooded figures uh surrounding him and chanting satan is good satan is our pal again that's a great <laughs> thing that they added in there so great i wouldn't be surprised if they added would it later like they probably had something chanting earlier and then after his arts, you know, phrase and, and doing that as, um, you know, improv, they're like, we got to put that in there,
1: you know? Oh, yeah, totally. It's great.
0: The grill starts heating up and Ray looks around. He sees the clopex and he sees Walter in the trash can with an axe in his head. I love what Walter says here. He says, Ray Peterson, whatever you do, don't let them do to you what they did to me. Because Ray doesn't technically even know what happened to him. You know, no, (laughs) it's that's good dialogue. Yeah. Ray then sees Art dressed up as Skip holding a bloody milkshake maker. Finally, Ray looks up and sees the old cloak man standing above him holding a knife saying, mind your own business. And he plunges the knife down as Ray yells out, "Okay!" (laughs) And I I'm sort of hit or miss on dream sequences in movies sometimes because I'm not I don't ever really dream to begin with. And my wife likes to tell me about her dreams and I find other people's dreams to be so uninteresting uh, because if it doesn't have naked people and I'm not in it, I don't care. Um, but uh, I, I thought this dream sequence was pretty good.
1: I did too. It's, it's again, I like the fever dream in a freaky movie.
0: Yeah. The dream ends and we see Ray back in his bed with the TV on. It's morning and he's drinking orange juice and watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Ray gets up and walks out of the room. Cut to Ray drinking OJ on the second story balcony above the garage. By the way, I lo- I've love i always loved that little spot. If I, if I had that house, I'd be sitting on that, just, you know, drinking and just looking out over the neighborhood.
1: You won't because you'll never live in the suburbs. Yeah. By choice. By choice.
0: That's true. As I look out my window and see the suburbs.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: But yeah, it, it's, it's a different kind of suburbs. <laughs> different than, kind. I know. I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. We see Art and Rumsfield running up the driveway. Art yells out to Ray, and he says they have a plan. Ray gets out of his chair and kind of points behind him, kind of like doing the stop motion type of thing. Just then, Carol walks out and tells them that her husband's not feeling well. I love this. Rumsfield says, please, Carol, let him come out. And she yells back, he can't come out until he resembles the man that I married. Art replies with, Carol, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> which is subtle. I like that. Please let him yeah. come out. Carol shoots back, I think that I've given you my answer. Art and Rumsfeld walk away crestfallen. But I do like how childish they are here.
1: They're, I mean, they're like all buddies, which is which I love that. I love that they're all friends. Some and, demented way.
0: Mm-hmm. And Art even does like the – I can't remember which one does. Even does like the little kick the rock type of thing, you know, as they have their <laughs> hands in their pockets. Meh, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Cut to Art and Rumsfield slowly walking up to the old house. Art shows him where the bees came from, and they sneak past the hole in the floor <laughs> to go around to the side. In the backyard next door, Ray is taking a nap while his dog digs a hole under the fence between him and the clopex. At the old house, we see Art slide a note under the side door. He tells Rumsfeld to do it, but Rumsfeld says, we agreed to do it together. He grabs Art's finger, and I love how Art, like, is watching his own finger. (laughs) You know, he looks Ah! (laughs) Ah, terrible. He grabs his finger and presses the doorbell. They both run to their respective homes. We see the door open, and a hand reaches out and grabs the note. Art runs, runs up to Ray, waking him up. And I, I love this freak out. Ray freaks out and starts yelling, I'm only trying to take a nap. I'm only laying here with my eyes closed trying to get some goddamn sleep. I love it. I love seeing people just lose their shit.
1: It's classic. It's classic, classic Hanks.
0: Right? And it's the Hanks that we love, dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's not he doesn't do that anymore no
0: like why and you know maybe he was right maybe his fears were founded that this was the movie that was like it ended that part that era of his life and then he he kind of s- sort of made a little bit of a switch moving forward maybe he was right in being worried about that
1: i guess i mean it's his choice like clearly it worked in his favor because he won like what 800 academy awards after that right you know? yeah
0: exactly like yeah like let's all feel you know sorry for tom hanks you know
1: but i miss this i miss the the everything this and pre
0: splash yeah like splash and shit
1: you know big money pit yep bachelor party all that stuff
0: Oh, dude i loved bachelor party when i was a kid but i haven't seen it in forever oh Does it's that hold up? up
1: yeah i saw it recently it's it's great
0: okay i mean i'm is, is there a blu-ray
1: for that one out? I think, I don't know. It was on, uh, st- it was streaming. Streaming for a minute.
0: Okay. All right. I'll, I'll have to try to find that because I did watch that a lot for obvious reasons as a kid. Wasn't watching it for Tom Hanks, but now we want to watch it for Tom Hanks. Weird.
1: Yeah, you're watching it for Michael Dudukoff.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: so Art says he wouldn't wake him if it wasn't important. He says, I think we flushed them out. The Klopex. Rumsfeld and I, we flushed them out. Ray asks how. Art says he wrote a note and slipped it under the door. They rang the bell and ran. Ray freaks out and says, oh, gee, stupid idiot. And then he crushes an empty beer can and throws it down again. Love all of this energy. It's great. Art looks confused and says, all I did was write, I know what you've done. Ray freaks out harder. Art says, you got to goose these people every once in a while. Give them a shot. Let them know you're there. Just then Ray's dog comes over with a bone, Art grabs and throws it, the dog goes after the bone, Ray says, here's the thing though, they're gonna think I did it, the old guy saw me write a note and put it under the Walters door, so now they're gonna think I did it, Art thinks for a second and says, you wrote a note and put it under the door? I didn't know that. It doesn't matter, because we got them on the run now. Now they know that we know that they know that we know. Ray screams, yes, it does matter. You did it, but they're going to suspect me. And he's slapping his chest and everything, and I love it. Art says, they're not going to suspect any. And then he stops and looks down at the bone that Vince brought back. It's a huge bone. Art shows it to Ray and asks, do you know what this is? Ray says, it's a bone. Art says, It's a femur. Ray says, it's a femur bone. Art replies with, a femur just happens to be a human thigh bone, Ray. Biology 101. Look at the size of this thing. You think it came off a chicken or something? Where the hell did Vince get this? They both look at the hole under the fence and start walking towards it. Art says, Ray, there's no doubt anymore. This is real. Your neighbors are murdering people. They're chopping them up. They're burying them in their backyard. Ray, this is Walter, and they both look at the femur bone and scream no as the camera zooms in and out, in and out, and it's probably, yeah, it's probably the most famous shot from the movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's silly, but it's it's iconic at this point, in my opinion. Iconic.
0: Iconic. And at this point, with uh, with our giant-ass TVs that we're all watching it on, I could count all 20 of Tom Hanks' giant silver fillings in his mouth, you know? ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha.
1: Again, old school Tom Hanks. I yeah, miss dude,
0: that's that's the good <laughs> shit, right? Right. Art stops Ray from screaming as they see a figure walk in the Clopex backyard. The person throws a crumpled up piece of paper over the fence. Art says it's just some litter. The guy's a litter bug. He walks over to pick up the paper. It could be a candy bar wrapper. It could be a napkin.
1: It could be a crumpled
0: up credit card receipt. These things are flying around all the time. He picks it up and opens it. No, it's my note. <laughs>
1: Dukumun is so, like, his timing is so good. Yeah,
0: dude. I really, this is all I sort of, like I, like I said, this
1: is all I know him from.
0: But he is fucking on fire in this movie.
1: Yeah, he didn't have a big role in Groundhog Day, unfortunately. But uh, He plays I mean,
0: he's, Gus. Who's Is Gus the cameraman or something? I can't even remember who that camera No, was. he's,
1: like, in the bar. He's oh. in the bar. One of the bar guys. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah, again, that's what I'm saying. Like, I've seen Groundhog Day a million times, and I love them. I I adore that movie, and I can't even visually picture him in it, you know?
1: Want to know a fun fact? What was that? Never seen that movie from beginning to end.
0: Oh, I, I, I recommend it, man. Harold Ramis
1: directing it. I love that movie. People would be like, what? And I was too busy seeing other things. i
0: I mean, you just fill my role in that regard. I'm the guy who's never fucking seen anything. So how does it feel, Zach? How does it feel? To, you're going to get yelled at by everybody. Cause you've never
1: I seen lobbed it. it to you. I was waiting for you to be like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm the underground guy. <laughs> and the king of the underground baby oh dude but
0: i do love yeah he's like he's talking he's like, no it's my note <laughs> i love that ray runs to the house but carol opens the, the back door and bangs him right in the face i love how he picks up more empty beer cans and crushes them in rage she's like you feel better now <laughs> he's like yeah he just kind of shakes his head you know <laughs>
1: yeah you know people would be like oh this is the physical comedy tom hanks yeah yeah. Give it to me.
0: Yeah, give it to me. Him, him freaking out, him slapping his chest. Him, Dude, all of it. I'm here for every moment of Tom Hanks in this movie. Agreed. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short
2: messages. And Steven Seagal is a joke. (laughs) Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past.
0: Inside the house, Ray has an ice pack on his face. Carol says to the rest of them, I think it's time that we all stop acting like kindergartners. Now, before somebody falls off a roof or sets themselves on fire, both foreshadowing, I think we should go over there, knock on the door, and invite ourselves in for a nice neighborly chat. Get to know these people like we should have a month ago. Bonnie says that's a good idea. She'll make brownies. Art, still holding the femur, starts to talk but Carol cuts him off and says you're not invited. <laughs> Cut to everyone sans art walking out of the Rumsfield house. Now did you notice that that there was like this um Rumsfield theme. It's like that. it's almost like a military drum walk but it's always the Rumsfield theme.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, which tracks with you maybe thinking he was like the favorite.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he actually gets his own theme song and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Bonnie says they'll probably find out more about the Klopeks in five minutes of friendly chat than the guys can in a month of snooping around. They walk up to the front door, and Carol says, everyone just act normal, which I think is great. Carol knocks on the door, and the youngest Klopek (laughs) asks who's there. Carol starts saying it's the Petermans. (laughs) Just as Rumfeld takes a step forward and falls through the porch, dropping the brownies. <laughs> so this is my favorite moment in the entire movie. I can watch. I have a gif of this. I can watch it repeat and laugh my ass off the because he's holding the brownies as if they're like a, a, a waiter tray, a waiter holding a tray yeah and he falls and they just they just fall right out of his hand right on the ground hans opens the door while romsfield is recovering carol introduces herself so the, as the next door neighbors as ray sort of watches bonnie says they bought brought dessert but pauses when she uh, when she locks eyes with hans Rumsfeld hands him the dirty brownies he picked up off the ground while uh, Bonnie and Carol make their way inside. He goes, well, something for the old sweet tooth. Uh, Rumsfeld and Ray walk past Hans and go inside. Dude, I just, it killed me, man. When you were watching it this time, did, did that hit for you? Did that land?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. All, all these scenes landed when I saw it as a kid, too, but it just, yeah, even more so now because you're just much more aware, and, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's a hilarious scene.
0: God. Inside the house looks old and run down, and there are moving boxes all over the place. Ray introduces everyone individually, and Rumsfield says, "Don't think I caught your your name, Sonny
1: <laughs> Don't think I caught your name there sonny
0: Hans to which Rumsfield replies mockingly, "A fine Christian name, Hans Christian Anderson, are you Catholic?" <laughs> His questioning sort of backs Hans into a table, knocking over a picture of a blonde woman. Rumsfeld looks at it and says, pretty girl, friend of yours. Hans takes it and puts it back and says, no, it came with the frame. (laughs) Uh, And that's a joke that I feel like nowadays is kind of played out. But back then, I think that was kind of fresh. Yeah, totally. Bonnie walks to a closed door and asks if uh, it's the dining room. Just then it opens, revealing another older clopack. Bonnie jumps and says, you startled me. Han says, "My uncle Reuben." I love Reuben, by the way, Rube. Reuben walks past everyone without saying a word, and <laughs> walks right up to Ray and says, "You are the one who lives next door," and just stares at him. Carol suggests coffee, and Han, but Han says, "You'll get it." Then Rumsfeld slaps Reuben on the shoulder and says, "What do you say we all sit down for a little of the old face to face?" Eh, what, Rube? <laughs> I love how immediately he gets friendly with them.
1: Yeah. Like just in everybody's face.
0: And by the way, for the rest of the movie, Ruben is literally going to be shooting daggers at Tom Hanks the entire time. And it's such a great gag. I love it.
1: He reminds me of my father-in-law. Really? Really? A little bit. Very like, very like stone cold face. I'm just like, are you, are you happy right now? Like, I can't read you, man. <laughs> Jesus! Wow. Yep. We don't see them that much, on purpose. Okay. <laughs> it's a
0: good thing uh, Finn French doesn't listen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, she didn't. She even. Yeah, she does not blame me.
0: No. <laughs>
1: the other day, she's like, "You guys have great reviews on these things. This is like a real. This is a real thing. This a I real go,
0: thing. Thanks. We've yeah. only been doing it for three years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like. She goes, "Who is this one who calls you Zoc? I'm like, "Oh, that's Dustin. <laughs> Ovalteen 2047. I'm like, that's Dustin. But all, all the rest of them were true. Ovaltine
0: 2047. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, cut, cut to Ray's son Dave running into his own backyard where Art and Ricky are in the process of climbing over the fence. Dave says that he, that he saw them all inside talking, uh, referring to the scene we just saw. Art, who's on the other side of the fence but still has to cross over a twi- tripwire, is wearing like black slacks and a black and yellow bowling shirt. He looks like a fat suburban ninja. Art, of course, trips and falls off the ladder into the Clopak's backyard, knocking the wind out of him. Art stands up and dusts himself off. He says, All right. Uh, he says he's all right, and for them to throw over the tools. The tools, of course, hit him in the head. Of course. Yeah. Inside, Carol and Bonnie are sitting on the Clopex couch while Ray is sitting on a chair, and Reuben is sitting on boxes next to him, just staring at Ray. No one is saying anything. Rumsfeld is picking at their wallpaper and tears off a huge piece of it. This is a uh, this is famously one of the improv
1: scenes. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie too. I'm just like he tears the wallpaper. <laughs> What a dick! <laughs> he tries Such to a put dick. It
2: back. He tries to put the piece
0: yeah.
1: back. Great. Such a dick.
0: <laughs> Finally, Ray says, "Sure was damp today." Bonnie <laughs> says she can't do anything with her hair, but sort of like trails off. Rumsfeld kn- knocks on some metal piping on the wall, and you can hear metal groaning in the basement. Hans walks in with a tray of uh, uh, pretzels and-, and sardines in a can. He offers everyone a sardine, but they decline. Carol encourages Ray to take one. He hesitantly does and eats it with the pretzel in one disgusting bite. Carol says, so how are you enjoying Hinkley Hills? We just love it. Rumsfeld chimes in with, Klopak, what is that, Slavic? Ruben turns around and barks, no. Rumsfeld taps him on the back and says, about a nine on the tension scale, (laughs) Rube." love that so much and i've said that to people before uh, and i love how ruben just goes back to staring at ray uh rumsfield goes on and asks how they like living in the old house taps on the wall and says good solid walls and Then he stomps and stomps on the floor and says good solid floors then he, we hear banging in the same rhythm as rumsfield's uh stomping come from the basement everyone looks around but rumsfield seems pleased and leans over and says Got somebody tied up in the old cellar, have you, Rube? Just then, Ray has a coughing, sneezing fit, which is, dude. Every time I watch this, I love the noises that he's making.
1: Yeah, it's it's again. He's like, it's so original because it's like a, <laughs> it's so great. And then he like quickly just
0: grabs a bunch of newspapers and like blows his nose and like hawks his mouth and everything. <laughs> He says, "Packing dust." Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ronesfield turns his attention to Hans and says, "So, just you and Unc living here in the house, is it, Sonny?" Reuben says, "This is a small family: me, the young boy, and my brother, the doctor." Bonnie says, "Oh, won't it be nice to have a doctor in the neighborhood?" By the way, the way she talks reminds me of how you do an impression of your mom.
1: Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't talk like that. Yes, you do, Mom. You talk exactly like that. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Did you you hear it too? Oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Well, every time I'm hearing her talk, I'm like, oh, it's it's, uh, her character from American Dad. Mm, Which, isn't it Bonnie in American Dad also?
0: Oh, shoot. Yeah, I just forgot. Oh, you know what's funny? I was never the biggest American Dad fan. I liked... Family Guy, I you know I like Futurama better than all of them, and I probably liked uh, back in the day I liked uh, Archer the most.
1: Oh yeah, you love Archer. Oh no, no, she's Francine, Francine in American that's right. Yes, yeah. But it just reminded me of that too, and she's so good, man. It's like, again, she she's she's just like her. They all have great comedic timing.
0: Yeah, they they do, and I do love this part. So so Bonnie says oh, well, won't it be nice to have a doctor in the neighborhood? Rumsfeld and Reuben sort of look at each other, and then a cuckoo clock chimes in the background. I, it's like, it's, it's like, it, it was almost as if the house was telling Bonnie, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah, totally. Good sound design. Carol says that she was never over when the Naps lived there, to which Ruben replies, how unfortunate for the Naps. Rumsfeld <laughs> says that it's funny, but he doesn't remember ever seeing a moving van out front. R- Rube says, I don't understand that. It was parked outside all day. (laughs) (laughs) He hates everybody. And I love how much he hates everybody. Ray seems to wake up from a coma and come to life. He asks how the drainage is on the property. When it rains, his basement floods. Rumsfeld says, Basement. Ray comes up with a winning idea. Maybe we should go take a look in the basement. Maybe that was brother down there tapping on the ceiling a couple minutes ago. Reuben says, who knows? Just what kind of doctor is that brother of yours, Rube? Reuben says, why don't you ask him for yourself? We hear someone walking up the stairs from the basement. The shadow makes them look big and imposing. But then we see Dr. Klopek. Henry Gibson is quite short. And if you know Henry Gibson, he, he's quite short. Yeah, he's tiny. Yeah. Like Rube.
1: He's like Corey wearing Feldman. A su- hmm? Like Corey Feldman. Yes.
0: Yep, exactly. He's wearing a suit with overalls covering it, and he has white gloves on. Ah, uh, we have guests. And he, he's a bit more refined than Rube is. And I like how you hear Hans in the background say, Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and then I do like this camera movement too. The doll the camera dollies into Rube and he says, My brother, the doctor. And then uh, Dr. Uh, Klopek introduces himself to Ray and shakes his hand. When he pulls his hand away, Ray's hand is covered in blood. Ray looks at it in terror.
1: Covered in red. Yeah.
0: Outside, we see Art poking around the Klopek's basement window in the backyard. It's nighttime now. He finds a yellow comb and pockets it. Art, here's a growling. Like he tests
1: it, he tests it and then he pockets it. Like What what do you need a fucking comb for, dude?
0: He does it does the he does the brr thing, you know, and yep. everything. Oh, Art. What a piece oh, of shit. Oh, Art. Yep. He hears growling coming from the basement and sees a big shadow moving around. Back inside, Rumsfeld is looking at a very large painting of a surgery. He flips the canvas around in confusion. He's not sure what <laughs> side is up. <laughs> They're all drinking coffee in a different part of the house. Ray is wiping the red off his hand with a towel. Uh, uh, Dr. Klopak says to Ray, I really must apologize for the paint. I was just touching up one of my pictures. I find painting relaxes me. And motions towards the painting Rumsfeld just rotated. Ruben is again standing next to Ray and just staring at him. Rumsfeld is looking at the painting in confusion and rotates it the other way. Dr. Klopak apologizes for not introducing himself sooner. I find my work is rather solitary. It always keeps us on the move. Did you know we've had to move four times in as many years? Bonnie says, all that moving must be very hard for you, Hans. No, you say that. Bonnie says,
1: all that moving must be very hard for you, Hans.
0: And touches his shoulder. Hans is startled by it. Dr. Klopek says, indeed, it has been. And unfortunately, they have to go to the university tomorrow to discuss yet another transfer. Carol says, no, we were just getting to know you. That's a shame. Isn't that a shame, honey? Ray says, that's a shame. Rumsfield looks <laughs> looks away from the painting and bursts out, says who? It's like, good Lord.
1: Meanwhile, I'm like, could you fuck stop touching his shit? You yeah. know, you're destroying the wallpaper. They they do a good job of painting these the the Clopex as being like sympathetic and yeah. or like not sympathetic but just like quirky next door neighbors.
0: Yeah. No, I think you were right the first time. I think right now they're kind of trying at least the doctor they're trying to paint him a bit sympathetic and I think that's the juxtaposition of Bruce Dern's character being so aggressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and very unlikable in a in a funny way, but very unlikable in this scene.
0: Yeah, again, at the end of the day, man, I don't know if I were Tom Hanks. I don't know if I'd want either Art or Rumsfeld as my neighbors, but in this movie, it's hilarious.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: (laughs) Dr. Klopek kind of looks at Rumsfeld and the painting and walks over to him. And I was just remarking to Hans today, he flips the painting around, how nice it would be to meet all of our neighbors, and here you are. Rumsfeld says that they're not all here. Walter, the old man next door. We don't know where the hell he is. Just then Ray spills the hot coffee on his bare legs and we get another great Tom Hanks freak out. Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Sorry! Sorry! (laughs) Ow! Ow
1: so great. It is. It's he I love it.
0: Yeah. Rumsfield sidles up next to Ruben and says, Terrible, terrible thing, the plight of the elderly. We were just remarking the other day about how an old guy like that could just drop off the face of the earth without a sign. Vanish, no trace, nothing. Right, Ray? Rube says, I bet you were. Then stomps his foot and looks at Ray. He does like a weird, like like a Nazi stomp and then just kind of looks at Ray. And I'm like, <laughs> everyone is dead silent. Rumsfeld looks at the doctor and says, why don't we just cut all the polite crap, all right? What's the weird goddamn noise you got coming out of here all the time? Carol stands up and says they got to go, but Rumsfield yells, what have you got in the cellar, Eric (laughs) Klopek? He looks at Ray and says, tell them what you saw. Ray stands up and says, I have to use your bathroom and runs out of the room. Rumsfield runs runs after him trying to get Ray to talk. The doctor yells to Ray to not open that door, but he does and is knocked over by a huge Great Dane. Ray screams. Bonnie does too and grabs Roop for safety, but he just looks at her. Rumsfeld says to the doctor, you keep a horse in the basement? And by the way, anytime anyone posts a picture of the Burbs on Instagram, my comment is always, you keep a horse in the basement? Because I love that line. (laughs) And it's a stupid line, I know, but I love it. The dog runs through the house and eventually jumps out the back screen door and goes right for art. He screams and runs for the fence as the dog is on his ass. Everyone steps aside uh, just in time to see Art attempt to jump the, the fence, but instead just sets off the Klopak security system. Bonnie asks, is it a burglar? Carol says in disgust, no, it's just Art. The doctor says to Reuben, another neighbor? He says, a fat one. Art <laughs> falls through the fence, which cuts off the power for the security alarm. Dr. Klopek apologizes, apologizes for the dog. He says his size tends to overwhelm people. Carol apologizes as well and says they've imposed uh, on the Klopeks enough for one evening. Rumsfeld says, see you, Doc. Later, Rube. While Bonnie says, bye, Hans. So of course, because she wants that Hans D. Uh, <laughs> Ray sticks his hand out to the doctor and says, it's been real." He seems more confident now. He also shakes Rube's hand and says, "Let's do it again sometime, real soon." The Klopek brothers look at each other. Man, what a great scene, dude!
1: Yeah, great, great setup to to paint was what's going to be an unexpected third act.
0: Yeah, yeah, the movie definitely goes in some interesting directions, I'd say. For sure. Yeah. And did any of these characters stick out to you as a kid or was it sort of like a, a wash and you were just like, eh, it didn't just jive with me? Like, was there anything in particular in this movie that you were like, oh man, I love this as a kid or something?
1: Not, no, not no. really. Not really. I, I liked, I thought Corey Feldman was always really cool. So I wanted to see what happened with him. But, you know, I think when I was 89, I was like 13 years old and uh was like, yeah. And so I was like, I think I was I I didn't know what to expect. I thought it would just be like a full on comedy and not go that dark route as it does towards the end. So uh, but obviously Bruce Dern's character, you know, um, he's like he's he's such an asshole. But he's but also he's kind of like he's he's the he's what we're thinking, too. He wants to get to the bottom of it, you know, he's he's sort of.
0: The voice of the audience, even though a lot of us, I think, probably wouldn't relate to him, but he's kind of saying what the audience wants to hear. Exactly. Yeah. I agree with you. Of course you do. (laughs) Back at Ray's house, everyone is uh, discussing the events that just transpired. Rumsfeld thinks they're all psychos, while the ladies think the Clovex (laughs) are just eccentric. Carol asks Ray what he's thinking. He's just sitting on the stairs and listening. Finally, he says, I think they're clean. I think Bonnie and Carol are right. Art is very upset by this and starts fighting with Carol over who started it. Ray breaks them up up and says he wants to have a talk with the guys alone in the den for a few minutes. Carol kisses him and says she's happy he's finally come to his senses. The ladies go into the kitchen while Ray, Art, and Rumsfield go into the den.
1: Art now is wearing like a white t-shirt and plaid pajama pants. but he looks like Roddy Piper. I'm like, did they do that on purpose because it looks like he's wearing a kilt, oh yeah with a white t-shirt which yeah. is what Roddy Piper would wear
0: because I, think I don't he know, was, was just an- I think he was wearing like plaid boxer shorts yes yes because I think he I guess he had to take off his clothes after he got attacked by the dog yeah
1: he looked like a kilt though
0: I did because the way it was cut I know I know exactly what you mean because the way it was cut off he's also wearing you can tell a girdle the entire movie like oh. you can you can see it you know oh yeah. Oh, boy. Well, he is the fat one, so, you know. Spanks. Especially with those polo shirts, you know, you can always see that shit.
1: Polo shirts are very unforgiving, they
0: are. I have one and it's like a it's got a cool boba Fett symbol and it's kind of gray, but I don't wear it a lot because my fucking moves look very movie in it. you know what I mean? Where your
1: nipples your your nipples poke out?
0: Yeah, yeah well I got I got the, the big puffy fat nipples so they kind of like make my whole tits my, my bitch tits look big and it's just I just do not look good in a polo and I want to wear them but they're they're made for people with better chests than I have.
1: I used to wear polos all, all the time when I was a te- when I was a teacher. And uh, but then depending on the, the if it wasn't th- the fabric wasn't thick enough, you could see look like I had a THO all the time, you know, and you and are
0: I, and you are people with better chest than I have. So,
1: well, <laughs> well I mean, even though even I was like, eh, I'm self-conscious because I, I was at like a Whole Foods one time walking down the aisle and a guy working at Whole Food Fu- at Whole Foods goes, your headlights are on. <laughs> I go, what? really fuck you dude <laughs>
0: your headlights are on I've never said that to a guy or girl
1: no, I've matter. never said that to a either either and I'm just like what
0: <laughs> that guy's hilarious <laughs> you know what I'm what? on the side of that guy
1: <laughs> <laughs> fuck that guy, fuck that guy. G- give me my $8 piece of cheese
0: <laughs> fucking
1: Whole Foods piece of shit Humboldt Falls <laughs> Humboldt Fog or where the fuck it's called
0: in the den Art says, so what's the deal, Ray? Are you, are you siding with the, the chicks against us? Rumsfield chimes in, yeah, are you totally pussy whipped or what? <laughs> Why don't you just take your balls out of your wife's purse? Make a stand for one time in your life. These are his friends?
1: I know. Well, again, this is like in the 80s. Friends were not your friends.
0: Exactly. See Zack's older brother, Eric, and his friends.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Ray just laughs and starts reaching up through the leg of his shorts. Rumsfield says it was just a figure of speech. Ray digs around and pulls out Walter's toupee. And I do like how Rumsfield goes, you've had that in your trousers all day? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he looks so shocked and disgusted. Right. After you found this in Walter's house yesterday, I slipped it back through the mail slot. Art says... Where do you get it this time? Ray nods at the Klopex house. After the dog came out of the basement, I found it wedged between a bunch of magazines, all of which I might add were addressed to Walter. <laughs> Art, Art grabs the, t- the toupee and says, then that means that Rumsfield takes the toupee and finishes the thought, the Klopex went back inside Walter's house and got the hair. They didn't, it's not like they got the mail or anything. It's not like they were doing a neighborly thing for their neighbor, which we find out well, later.
1: I mean, it sets everything up. It makes sense. It
0: yeah, tracks. it does. It, it tracks both ways. Yep. Ray's looking out the window at the Clopex house. Rumsfeld and Art walk up next to him. Rumsfeld asks, what, are, what do we do now, soldier? You heard them say they were going away tomorrow. As soon as that car leaves in the morning, I'm going over the fence and I'm not coming back till I find a dead body. <laughs> Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it. And and now he's fully committed. This is when yeah. the point of no return as far as the hero's journey, he's fully committed.
1: Well, it makes all it totally makes sense.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. Cut to the next morning, we see the Klopex and the dog drive out of their garage and down the street. You can see the garbage from the other day was never cleaned up, which I like. Rumsfield and Ricky both watch them drive by. We also see Ray walking Carol and Dave to their car. They're going to see Carol's sister while Ray says he's going to play golf with Art. Carol thinks something is going on, but Ray reassures her that he's just trying to salvage the remaining remainder of his vacation. Of course, while Ray is just wearing slacks and a sweatshirt, Art comes over uh, as Carol is driving away wearing a full golf attire. As soon as she drives away, they both run in the opposite direction. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast
3: covering movies, comics, video games, and more.
2: Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative.
1: Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.
2: Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades. With categories ranging from movies, TV, and music, to slang, food, and fashion, you're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a Surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show.
0: We see Rumsfeld exit his house in full military attire. Ricky is calling his friends, telling them to come over to his house. You got to come down here today. It's going to be live. Something's about to happen.
1: Again, I'm like watching this. I'm totally convinced that Keith Coogan like ripped that character off.
0: How far after this did the the babysitter's dead uh, come out? Two years later. Well, I
1: mean, that, that movie came out in 91. So,
0: okay. So they filmed it in 90, probably. Yep. And this was supposed to come out in December of 88, but because of uh, reshoots and an alternate ending, um, they they uh, put it out in, uh, in February of 89.
1: The, the, the nail in the coffin. Uh, the fevo- February
0: release date, yeah. Yep. My birthday month, month is not kind to movies.
1: Nope. Any movie that comes out during that time is typically not going to be good.
0: Exactly. That's what people expect. Yeah. Yep. Rumsfield walks into Ray's backyard. We see Art has changed into a telephone repair outfit and is holding some blueprints and looking up at a power line. Ray says, you sure you know what you're doing, Art? There's an awful lot of juice going through these wires. You hit the wrong one. You're a post-toasty. Do you know what a post-toasty is? No. I'm, I'm assuming pop
1: toast? I guess. I don't either. I think toasties are like a generic version of Pop-Tarts, I think.
0: And maybe post is like the name of it. So it's it's post. Yeah, I know what you mean. Maybe. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I maybe. I do, I do like what
0: Art says. He says, Ray, electricity is our friend, which is like the opposite of what you want to think yeah, about totally. electricity.
2: <laughs>
0: I love it. Besides, we want to take out their alarms, don't we? Ray asks if they can just bypass the fence. But Art says they don't know how many alarms the Clopex have in, in there. Uh, he can take everything out with one clip of the snips. Art starts climbing the pole while Rumsfield shows off his fancy walkie-talkie. Ray asks Rumfield where they should be, where they should start digging. And he says, uh, backyard, then check the basement. Uh, Ray yells to Art to be careful. And Art says, hey, safety's my middle name. Ray says to Rumsfield, I thought his middle name was Lewis." Art fumbles with the blueprints and then drops the paper. Rumsfield says, I don't think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Ray looks at him and says, why didn't you go up there? Rumsfeld says sheepishly, it's very high. <laughs> uh, by the way, when he said that, I see, I, I swear, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Richards ch- took a little bit for Kramer. Like, yeah, that delivery, it's very high. It sounds like a yeah. Kramer
1: delivery. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Ask your ex-wife. See if it's true.
1: <laughs> call her up on the phone. Just
0: call her up right now. Call her up right now at, uh, at, at 11 o'clock p.m. <laughs>
1: Let's call her right now. <laughs> right now. Hey, Marcy, I haven't hey, talked to you in 10 years.
0: Uh, uh, how's it going? So anyways.
1: Let's uh, talk about Michael Richards and his peen.
0: Uh, <laughs> so Art's up there. He dropped, <laughs> dropped his fucking papers. He kind of thinks for a second, and he cuts one of the wires. A bunch of sparks shoot out, and Art is blown off the pole and falls into race shit through the roof.
1: It's uh, a, <laughs> It's fucking funny. <laughs> I love. what follows is even better
0: yes 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 Ray and Rumsfield run over to the shed as Art walks out the door Art's clothes are ripped up and his gloves are all missing their fingers also, and his
1: fingernails are black yes,
0: yes his fingernails black. Are black
1: he's fried his fingers <laughs> His hard hat is kind of
0: blown up. Uh, he says he's fine. He looks, at, he looks at his fingernails. They're black. And he t- touches his filling in his teeth and it's hot. But I, he just he just does a great job of like, he's just like acting like disheveled and like still like just is just shocked at everything. He's
1: like, ah, look at my fingernails. Ah, <laughs> oh, my fingernails are black. Ah. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's so good. My he's, teeth hurt. My fillings hurt.
0: He's so good. Uh Rumsfield ch- checks the Klopek security system and it's dead. Art actually cut the right wire. Rumsfield gives him the walkie-talkie and says he's going to set up the lookout on the roof uh, of his house. Lookout on the roof of his house. By the way, uh, apparently uh Tom Hanks and uh Rick <laughs> Dukeman Dukeman didn't, didn't get along that that uh that well uh behind the scenes, but Apparently both of them are, you know, professionals and were fine with it, but they it, I think it was one that they didn't really spark that friendship that like happens a lot of times in in movies like this, you know. Oh, bummer.
1: That's yeah. that's a bummer. Yeah. I blame Tom Hanks wanting to be serious.
0: There you go. Me too. Me too. We see Ricky surveying the neighborhood through his binoculars and spots Rumsfield up uh and Spots Rumsfield climbing out of his second-story window to set up shop on his roof. Ricky asks what he's doing with a gun and Rumsfeld yells back, just shut up and paint your goddamn house. (laughs) Rumsfeld pulls out his walkie talkie and says, uh, says into it Task force one. This is Eagle eye. You are all clear. Art, art, radio's back. Uh, that they are going over the fence. Rumsfeld says over the radio, "Red Rover, Red Rover, let Ray go over." And we see Ray jump the fence. It's a great shot because it's it's. We can see it all happening at once, and he's across the street and everything. And they had to time it out. It's it's good. And then he says, "Red Rover, Red Rover, let Art go over," and he does too. And Rumsfeld is very pleased.
1: He's having a good time being in charge, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. He's in his he's in his
0: his zone at this point. Yep. Yep. There's a slight time jump, and we see Ray digging a hole in the Klopex backyard while Art rests in another hole. There are even more holes scattered around. Art says, man, it's really getting hot out here. Ray walks over to him in anger and says, yeah, why don't you dig one of your own holes? Art says he was checking the, the hole and monitoring the radio, essentially not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. That tracks for that character.
1: Yep, pretty much.
0: Art says it's turned out to be a lot more work than he thought. <laughs> he suggests they check the house where it's cooler, but Ray agrees. Art also should also suggests that they start in the kitchen. The Clopex probably have some cold beer in there, <laughs> so now they're gonna just rob the house too. Yeah. Uh, Ray tries uh, tries the door and it's locked. The back door. He asks Art for a credit card, but <laughs> but all of his were burnt up when he got shocked, which is funny. Uh, Ray pulls out one of his credit cards and tries to f- uh, flip the lock with it. You know, you shove it in between the frame, flip the lock with it. And the credit card just breaks and <laughs> breaks in half. And I like how Art says, uh, eh, it's a shit store anyways. <laughs> yeah, I love that.
1: Uh, uh, Ray takes it. He's trying the- to be supportive. Yeah. He's trying to be supportive.
0: And, of course, this is the 80s. Like, you have people who had 20 credit cards because it was all about racking up debt. All the 80s are about racking up debt. Yep. He takes some hay, which the the only thing I found weird is, like, where did he fucking get that hay from? But he kind of grabs some hay, covers his hand with it, and breaks one of the panes of glass uh, by the doorknob and unlocks the, the back door. I have literally only two continuity problems or things that I don't understand. This is one super minor, super fucking minor. But later... When when um, Rumsfield doesn't see the Clopex drive up and then reverse, I have a yeah. problem with that, because why doesn't he see that? You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. And I think
0: that's coming up soon. So, we'll, yeah. Across the street, Ricky introduces Mr. Rumsfield to his friend Steve who <laughs> played by what, uh, what was his name? Nikki Cat.
1: Nikki Cat, baby. And he has a
0: huge head of hair.
1: Yeah, he does.
0: Rumsfield looks annoyed. <laughs> at, at Steve Koontz. inside the Klopex house Ray and Art cautiously make their way into the basement back at Ricky's house more kids are showing up Steve Koontz yells to Rumsfeld hey man when's the big unveiling I gotta go to work in a couple of hours you know Rumsfeld says hey man piss off <laughs> <laughs> then he yells to Ricky, "Get this lamo off your yard!" And goes back to eating his animal crackers, and he eats it kind of childlike, which is great. And this is the shot where you can see Burbank behind him.
1: Yep, look for that shot. Look for downtown Burbank.
0: And as someone who grew up uh, in 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 Michigan in Detroit, that does not look like Michigan at all, right?
1: No, uh, there's no rolling hills or and fields smog. or whatever. But yeah, there's like there's like it's the suburbs. Yeah. And that's like big city. Mm-hmm. No. And I love I love Steve Coons. Kuhn, Steve Coons. <laughs> apparently me- he doesn't go to work that day because he's there the whole night.
0: And you know what? He made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> In the Clopex basement, Ray and Art are looking at a monster of a furnace. It takes up most of the basement and has tubes running out of it and up into the house. Ray wonders, what the hell does he need a furnace like this for? Art wonders if a thermostat on a home furnace is supposed to go to 5,000 degrees. They look next to the furnace and yeah. see a makeshift generator built from 40 car batteries. They push a button, and the furnace turns on even though there's no power to the house. All of a sudden, flames shoot out of the open in the opening in the front. Ray says, this is no ordinary furnace. Cut to Ricky's house, where a bunch of teenagers are hanging out. He hears the noise coming from the Klopex house— and turns around and runs towards Rumsfield. The low rumbling causes Rumsfield's gun to fall over, and he reaches for it, but Ricky yells, Yo, Rumsfield! and startles him. He slides down his roof, hits the ground, and the gun goes off, blowing blowing out the side window of his car. The kids think this is awesome and start clapping. Ricky helps him up. Dude, that was a great stunt, by the way.
1: Yeah, it's a great. It's a a hilarious.
0: (laughs) Right when he hits, he fires his gun and fucking shoots his window out. (laughs) He's such a
2: fucking klutz, man. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
0: In the basement, Ray is examining the ground by the furnace and sees that it's loose dirt. He thinks the Kolpeks burned the bodies and buried them in the basement instead of outside art holding a shovel asks what they do now ray just kind of looks at him and grabs the shovel from him and starts digging art wants to tell rumsfield what they think is happening but ray says not until they find something and not until they find something and then art says that may take all night then i like how cut to that night and ricky's party is still going on said party is lit by candles and car headlights Ricky calls to Rumsfield, who, who's back on his roof, and says, you guys managed to knock out the power in the entire block. Probably the whole south end of town. Steve Kuntz, I, him, I call his whole name the whole time. Steve Kuntz says uh, they're going to make a McD's run, but Ricky tells them to stay. He called the pizza dude. All right, high five.
1: Uh, part, I was like, I could totally go for some McDonald's at this point.
0: Love me some McDonald's, Fucking buddy. Fucking
1: quarter pounder with cheese.
0: He says that he's like, Can I, you Steve Koontz even says you'll be just a quarter pounder.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I want a quarter pounder with oh, so good. I'm
0: a Big Mac boy. I love Big Macs. Of
1: course you are. <laughs> I, I, I've, I haven't had that, that shit in forever. Well, I will tell you, I got uh air sick really bad one time and the plane landed at the airport and and I said to my I said to my wife, I'm like, I need to find a McDonald's stat. And I all I wanted was a fish sandwich from McDonald's, and I bit into that thing. I hadn't had one in twenty years, and I was like, "This is so fucking good."
0: McDonald's does something where it coats your stomach, and that's why yeah. it's like perfect for all like hangovers so and good. shit. You know? Yeah,
1: it, it, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: I mean, dude, nothing cures a fucking hangover like a like you know any kind of McDonald's breakfast, dude.
1: I agree, because the, the
0: fucking oil and the grease just absorbs all that shit. <laughs> I guess, folks. I'm not a scientist.
1: back off man
0: back off man i'm a scientist (laughs) god ghostbusters just then (laughs) (laughs) we see the clopex driving down the street they stop before getting to their house because they can see the basement lights are on they turn off their car headlights and reverse it back down the street and this is why like they had to get to like ricky's house for them to even see their house. How yeah. did Rumsfield not see this? I just literally would make this movie absolutely flawless if they just inserted a shot of him looking at his walkie talkie or eating the gran like I needed to see him somehow not paying attention, you know? Yeah,
1: he was trying to figure out what animal he was holding in his hand.
0: Exactly. But
1: is this the elephant or is this the tiger?
0: But do you agree? Like I need that shot here.
1: Yeah, because yeah, it it yeah, I totally agree.
0: In the basement, Ray is deep in the hole. It's <laughs> so deep that he's standing in a foot of water, and the hole kind of goes up to his shoulders. Art says, "Ray, I think we can give up. They never bury bury him this deep." Just then, Ray's shovel hits something metal, and they both get excited. Love how Art thinks it's a crypt. He thinks they hit a crypt.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, metal. Anything metal is going to be some sort of pipe, dude. Yeah,
0: he thinks he. Ch- Art jumps to crypt what yeah uh he, and he radios rumsfield uh saying that they found something he said he found walter you know and ray sort of digs more frantically outside rumsfield looks pleased and says to himself we caught you rube you've been playing us for saps but you were wrong <laughs> just then he sees a station wagon drive up to walter's house ricky sees it too and runs up to art who's walking out of the Klopex house covered in mud he tells him to look he points at Walter's house as Walter is being helped out of the passenger seat of the station wagon. Huge. Huge. Rumsfield and Art both look shocked. Rumsfield yells to Ray over the walkie-talkie. Raymond, listen up real carefully, mister. We got a real problem. In the basement, we see Ray's walkie-talkie is half covered in dirt. Ray, guess who's not in the basement? Walter, he's back. But Ray doesn't hear it. Now we see the clopex driving back with coppers. Art tells Ricky to keep them busy while he gets Ray. So what does Ricky do? He jumps on the hood of the police car. Sure. Right? Only works if you're white. In the basement.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: In the basement, we see Ray bury the shovel one last time. Then we hear a light hissing sound come from the hole and the water starts bubbling. Art comes down the stairs and says, Ray, Walter showed up. But before he can finish, Ray screams, I hit the gas line, Art, run. Art screams while Ray tries to climb out of the hole. By the way, if that was me, if I was Art and you were in the hole, I would have gone to help you. Thanks. I would have done the same. I know. And we both would have died. (laughs) Outside, the police officer is asking what's going on. The Clopecs say there's an intruder. Rumsfeld is yelling at him, too. Then Art comes running out of the house screaming. They hit a pipe and just barely makes it out of range of the explosion. And this is good because it really explodes behind fucking Rick
1: Dukaman. Dookumon! <laughs> Gotta catch them all! Dookumon, go poke... What was it?
0: I don't know, I didn't go watch Pokemon. T-
1: Dookumon, go to <laughs> Dookumon, go too! Have you heard that song? No. Pokemon Joe 2. I
0: don't know what that is.
1: <laughs> it's like uh, it's like their Pokemon song. Oh. It's like an eighties, but it's like a late eighties, early nineties rock song. Oh, Pokemon okay. Johto.
0: Oh, I thought we were doing. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> 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 the, the kids say that Ricky really knows how to throw a party. Everyone slowly stands up from behind the police car when all of a sudden the house is lightning rod and pales the hood of it. Everyone watches as the house burns. Bonnie says something is moving in there, and we see a battered ray come walking out the front door. And I love his little slide thing he does down the stairs. Like, how do you practice that? Like, how do you actually... Do that as an actor and make it look normal or natural. Only Tom Hanks. He And I love how they don't hold back. Like, his eye is fucked up. His hair is burnt. His clothes are, like, shredded.
1: Yeah, his face looks melted, yeah. which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, and I think that really adds to the fact that, that he doesn't walk out, like, looking fine, you know?
1: Yeah, in a normal comedy, he would have.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Ray slowly walks over to them as the house collapses behind them. Art runs up to him and asks if he found it. Before it blew, you found it, right? Tell me you found it. Ray doesn't say anything. We see Carol driving up the street but can't get past all the people in cars blocking her way. She gets out of the car and joins the, the growing crowd. We see firefighters, cops, and a helicopter on the scene, plus a bunch of onlookers. Carol makes her way past the cops with the help of Ricky and his friends, causing a distraction, which I like. I like that Ricky kind of helped her out, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I like that Ricky's not a dick. Like, it's weird. I feel like sometimes in these kind of movies, like, Ricky would be annoying because he would be the next door neighbor. I like that
1: he's cool. Yeah, he's just, he's an 18-year-old kid.
0: And he, but he's not a dick 18-year-old kid, you know? No, you're right. So she walks over in the direction and finds Ray, and he's all bandaged up now. Uh, He's being interrogated by Detective Howard, (laughs) Ron Howard's dad, uh, who's playing a cop. Uh, Carol asks, honey, what have you done? And Ray just says, you cut your hair. And then she hugs him, and he says he likes it. Now, I will say that this is kind of like a weird behind-the-scenes thing, but her hairstyle earlier was a wig, apparently. And this here is her real hair. And people and they were like it was weird because like her wig wasn't much different than her hair and she would take off her wig in between takes and whatnot or you know whatever and people were like but it's not much different like why why are you wearing a wig you know
1: so they went with her not wearing a wig later on like they or did they film this scene after the fact and
0: I think this is all I I don't so this is there is an alternate ending but I don't know if this part right here was still a part of the original ending or not? Because it, it gets to a point when I know where the, the cutoff happens. But you're yeah. right. I think... I'll I'll take it back. I suspect this is a part of the, the reshoot, the whole entire alternate ending reshoot, and they kind of just forgot about the wig and then just worked it into improv, basically. Hmm. That's okay. my guess.
1: I'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> sure.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs> Art is talking to a detective uh, played by...
1: The lone black guy in the movie. Yeah, by the way, um, Franklin A.J. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's so great. Funny. I love him in this role.
1: So, yeah, he's such a he's such a great actor.
0: Art asks where Walter was the whole time. The officer says he's been at the hospital. Monday night he had some heart palpitations. He called his da- his daughter and son in law, and they took him to the hospital. Art asks about the toupee they found in the house. The Klopex were picking up his mail for him. It seems that the doctor got the toupee mixed up with the letters. And I'm like, and I always think I'm like, oh, yeah, that just makes full sense. But you're so wrapped up in in their craziness that you sort of overlook the most obvious thing is that they're just being neighbors and picking up the mail for him.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's it.
0: And I think that's a part of the movie, though, is that you get so wrapped up in your craziness that you miss the obvious stuff. I think that's, like, sort of the point of the movie, even though ultimately they all turn out to be correct. I still think it's trying to illustrate, like, what happens when you get wrapped up in all this shit.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Art pushes back that the that that Klopek isn't a doctor. The officer corrects Art and says, In fact, he's a very well-respected pathologist, my friend. I'd say that you're damn lucky that you didn't kill him in the blast. Art gets in his face and says, oh, yeah, I think my lucky stars. Again, only a white person could do that. Yep. The detective looks at the beat cop and says, take care of this nitwit. By the ambulance, Detective Howard is reading off all the laundry list of stuff they are going to charge Ray with. Finally, he says about Walter, and the poor old man claims that he has a ransom note that says you kidnapped his dog. And I love how that came back to bite Ray in the ass.
1: I like it, though. It's a good callback. It
0: is. It is. Uh, Ray doesn't reply. He just looks at Carol and says, I really do like your hair. And she smiles. Art comes walking over to Ray with the police saying that the Klopaks aren't off the hook by a long shot. He looks to Ray uh, to back him up, and he says, we got the goods on them, don't we? They
3: may think they're off the hook, but they're not. No, no, they're not. Are they, Ray? No, go ahead. Tell them. Tell them. We got the goods on them, don't we? Oh yeah, you know. You know, someday they're gonna dig up the back of that yard and they're gonna find the rest of that skeleton to go with that femur. Oh, it might not be Walter, but it's gonna be some sort of Shut up, Art. Shut up. God, you don't know when to quit, do you? Look at me. I'm a shell of a man because of you, Art. <laughs> you leave. Them now, now, now. soldier. You leave them alone. Get out that case already. They didn't do anything to us. They didn't. Us. All right, so they're different, so they keep to themselves! Can you blame them? They live next door to people who break into their house and burn it down while they're gone for the day! Remember what you were saying about people in the burbs, are right? People like Skip, people who mow their lawn for the 800th time and then snap? Well, that's us! It's not them! That's us! We're the ones who are vaulting over the fences! and peeking in through people's windows. We're the ones who are throwing garbage in the streets and lighting fires. We're the ones who are acting suspicious and paranoid. We're the lunatics. Us, it's not them. It's us. I don't know what to say. What, do you want me to move?
0: Ah, And Art just looks at Ray and says, I don't know what to say. What do you want me to do? Move? (laughs) Ray comes running full speed and attacks Art. They fight they fight for a little bit before Rumsfield and the cops break them up again. Uh, Ray yells, I've been blown up! Take me to the hospital! I'm sick. And he lays on a gurney, then he picks it up and throws it in the back of the ambulance and falls face down in it. Carol says, I'll just find out what hospital they're taking you to and follow right along. And she closes the ambulance door. So two things. One. My, this is my wife's favorite scene in the movie. She she just loves a fucking Tom Hanks picking up the gurney, throwing it into the ambulance. That's kind of yeah. going face down into it. But it's also 100% improv by Tom Hanks.
1: It, it's hilarious. I think that this was the scene where my wife laughed out loud as well. She's like, <laughs> that, that's funny. That's yeah. funny.
0: And then we see Ruben walking over to the kids sitting on, a car, on his car and says, Okay, Hepcats, get off my car. And Ricky tells him to chill out. The pizza dude is coming. I just like that he called him Hepcats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Doctor Klopak enters the ambulance, and Ray starts apologizing to him. He says, uh, "When he gets out of prison, he's going to help them rebuild their house. He has the tools." <laughs> Which is another good <laughs> callback. But Doctor Klopak asks, "Do I look like an idiot, Mister Peterson? Do you take me for an imbecile?" No. You may have fooled the others, Mr. Peterson, but you don't fool me. Ray's confused. Come now, Mr. Peterson. You were in my basement. Surely surely you looked in the furnace. Dr. Klopek starts putting on gloves while Ray says he saw the furnace, but figured a man's furnace is his own business. <laughs> <laughs> you saw one of my skulls, didn't you? Oh, yes, I know you did. It belonged to a neighbor of yours. The name was Knapp. We took the house from them. I offered to buy, but you know how old people are. They grow so attached to things. And I like how it. it's okay. It's all true. Like, yeah, the naps, yep. you know, the, they never did see a um, a moving van. You know, it's, it's like, holy shit. Oh my God. They were right the entire time. Yeah. He pulls out a long needle and Ray looks at it. He tries to get up, but the doctor pushes him back down. I let you keep the femur. Now I want my skull. Or perhaps I might just take yours, Hans. And then we see, I, I delivered that terribly, uh, but we see Hans. And Zach. I look at Zach and Zach just nods. Yes.
1: Yes, you did. God <laughs> bless you. i have tried.
0: We see Hans, in the driver's seat of the ambulance as the doctor holds Ray down by his throat. The ambulance starts driving away as Ray and the doctor struggle in the back. This causes Hans to lose control of the vehicle and it runs right into front the front of Art's house. Everyone watches this happen, and Ricky and his friends cheer when the ambulance crashes. The back door of the ambulance opens, and Ray and Dr. Klopek go rolling down the street while they're fighting over the needle. The gurney hits the Klopek's car, and the trunk flies open. Ray stands up yelling, Citizens arrest! Citizens arrest! (laughs) (laughs) He picks up the doctor and says, I, Ray Peterson, am placing you under arrest for my attempted murder! (laughs) While everyone in the neighborhood comes running over Dr. Klopek says uh, Ray doesn't know what he's talking about. Everyone starts arguing while Ricky looks in Klopek's trunk. Detective Howard says they have no evidence at all, but Ricky throws back a blanket and says, you do now. Bonnie screams and we see a trunk full of bones and skulls. Chock full, I might add.
1: Yeah. We're talking tons of dead bodies in here.
0: Tons. Tons. (laughs) Yeah. The other detective asks, is this your vehicle, Dr. Klopek? He just kind of shrugs. Mm-hmm. Just then, Rumsfeld looks up and sees Hans trying to escape from the ambulance. Hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? <laughs> Rumsfeld runs over and tackles Hans. He does like a leg tackle.
1: Yeah, he ta- he tackles him hard, too. Yeah, he
0: does. In an Art's front yard, he picks him up by the throat and says, Don't you make a move, Sonny. I spent 18 months in the bush and I can snap your neck in a heartbeat. (laughs) Cut to Art talking to a news crew. I think the message to psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases all over the world is do not mess with suburbanites because frankly, we're just not going to take it anymore. We're not going to be content to look after our lawns and wax our cars, paint our houses. We're out to get them, Don. We see Ray talking to Carol. She asks what they're going to do now. He says, I'm going to to go pack a bag and go up to the lake. And they embrace. Art comes running up to ask uh, if they want to go to the (laughs) Bolarama. Yeah, right? Yeah, nice. And get a beer or something. Ray and Carol just uh, keep walking, and Art asks where they're going. Ray says he's going on vacation. Art yells, "Are you crazy? This is a major multi-media event. Geraldo Rivera is coming. He's going to excavate the basement of the Clopax. It's going to be broadcast yeah. on satellite TV, which is an homage to what him,
1: what was the famous like Capone? Uh, Capone's uh, vault? vault. Yep, and, and which was I, a big bust. Did you watch that when it? Did I did. Yeah. I I mean I loved Geraldo when he interviewed um, uh, Charles Manson, and I was like, this is this is cool. It's just like he's getting in his face." And then he did the Capone thing. It was super depressing because he didn't find anything in there. And you're like, oh, this is the downfall of this guy's career. Or the upswing, depending on how you look at it.
0: (laughs) True. Very true. And I'm with you, buddy. I watched it live, too, and I can still... It's burned into my brain just the very, so very empty vault.
1: Yes. Empty nothing. (laughs) Like, not even a shred of paper. (laughs) No surprise there. Exactly. Uh...
0: Just then, Rumsfield yells out to Art that his wife's home and his house is on fire. Art goes, <laughs> my wife is home. <laughs> doesn't care about the fire. No. Ricky goes up to Ray and asks how he's doing. Ray says, I'm going away for a while, Ricky. I want you to keep an eye on the neighborhood for me. Ray and Carol walk into their house while Ricky surveys the scene and then looks right into the camera and says, God, I love this street the camera pans out into space and sort of the reverse of how the movie started. And then yep. we see uh, shots of the cast member from, from scenes in the movie and everything as the credit plays. Um, and then it goes to the credits. Now, before we end re- in discussion, I'll just say the alternative ending is um, uh, Dr. Klopek in the, the ambulance with Ray, um, but outside uh, Carol is kind of talking to Art and being like, "You got to go talk to Ray, sort of you know apologize or whatever." And Art's like, "You don't get it. It's it's guy stuff. We don't apologize." And she just looks at him, you know, does like that look, like I'm looking at him. And she's like, and then Art's like, "Ah, shit!" And then he goes to do it. So, but everyone sort of follows him and he throws open art throws open the back of the ambulance and we see uh Dr. Klopek holding the the needle above Ray Ray struggling with him and of course so he gets arrested then there's a shot of them sort of putting the Klopeks away in the in the police car but the Klopek's saying like I moved to this neighborhood the same as you because I wanted some peace and quiet but then he starts kind of going on this high horse about like but you all like if someone just does anything different, you guys all like jump down their throats. Essentially, he's like he's like you, you paint your house differently here and someone will f- and you get yelled at. Like he basically starts talking about how they're sort of just as crazy as he is. I per- personally think the ending that we got is better.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. This this like that goes on way too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. This wraps it up pretty nicely. That's all you need to do,
0: and it's more exciting too because there is no ambulance chase thing. Like there's no ambulance crash in the original ending or anything. So yeah, no, I like much this. Much more exciting,
1: much better, much yeah. better. Agreed.
0: So you're you're forty forty some odd years old, soon to be forty some plus years old next week. Overall thoughts on this?
1: I mean, it's entertaining as hell. It's a it's a a, a perfect definition of a cult movie. You know, it's hybrid of horror and comedy and dark 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 comedy loved it It was fantastic yeah lots of fun
0: good I'm, I'm so happy dude i i honestly figured you had seen it a million times like me and i thought this was going to be uh old hat for you so i'm even doubly happy that i got you the the shaft factory blu-ray um because I'm, yeah thank I'm, you buddy i'm glad you have it in your collection man this is great are you do you think you'll you'll watch it again like will it be oh yeah I'll show it to moving forward
1: yeah, I'll show it to Bodie in a couple of years, you know, cuz I think he'll like it when it, when he's like 10.
0: Yeah. When he's at the, the the right age for it. Yeah,
1: gets it. Yeah, he's a little more aware of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think this movie holds up fantastically. Like aside from the stuff we called out about Rumsfeld and everything that, that some of that stuff lands differently in 2022, but if, you know, we always talk about it, if you just take your brain out of it, just kind of it's a sci- it was a thing of the time and everything. And if you just kind of can sort of step back from that. I think this movie has a lot of fun to offer the audience. If you've never seen it at this point, I highly recommend checking it out because I think it's a blast from beginning to end.
1: Yeah. I, movies like this don't exist anymore. Movies by people like Joe Dante and John Carpenter don't exist anymore. It's just, it was a different era of filmmaking. i have Dare I say, probably died when we got into the '90s. Yeah, because because Dante's films started getting started going downhill in the '90s as well. Small Soldiers has its moments, but it's not that great of a movie. It's a little slow.
0: I've never seen it.
1: Oh well, you're not missing a whole lot. It's
0: didn't Stan Winston do the the, the effects or something?
1: He did, and it had. It was kind of like it was DreamWorks when DreamWorks first came out, yeah. and they were you know. Oh, we've got this, and we've got ants, and we've got uh, blah 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 blah. And all of the movies pretty much bombed. Yeah, their first their first wave of movies that that came out were not all that great. And uh, yeah, Small Soldiers is it's okay, but it's you know Joe Dante was just I I don't know maybe it was like the the time was passing him by.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's weird because I do remember Small Soldiers being so big at the time, but no one talks about it or references it anymore.
1: Oh yeah, I mean they had a toy line, and everything, and I just think it all went south.
0: Yeah, 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 dude, I'm with you, man. 80s Joe Dante is where it's at. If we ever do an Autour de Force, maybe we, maybe we cut it off at a certain point for for Joe Dante or something. Yeah, you know, obviously that's years away from now, but uh, I I do love his earlier stuff. I love his 80s stuff much more than the latter end of his career. I mean he's yeah, to- still totally. he's still doing work. He's still working, but I just yeah, I'm not a big fan now.
1: Yep. Same. Same z's.
0: Yeah, same z's. You know what I am a big fan of? $2 $2 lay fee. And no. it, was, it was fun. Can we just say it real quick? I did uh, an interview uh, today uh, with you and Dustin. We uh, did an interview for an upcoming crossover event, and uh, it was a blast. I, I love hanging out with you and Dustin, man. I wish I lived closer. I wish we could actually hang out in person and everything, but I always enjoy uh, being on the show. It's a show that I love immensely. So what is going on with $2 lay fee coming up this summer? Oh,
1: boy, oh, boy. Well, this summer... Uh, we'll be kicking off the summer of a lot of fun. We have a streets of fire devoted month, whole month devoted to streets of fire.
0: Uh, I'm so excited for this month of streets of fire. I've never seen streets of fire, but I just bought the blu-ray. I sent a picture to Dustin and Zach because I want to watch the movie before I listen to the episodes.
1: Yeah. Watch the movie then listen to the episode. Uh, and then we've got an interview with the star, Michael Pere and one of the sorels, Stoney Jackson. If you don't know who Stoney Jackson is, look him up because I guarantee you, once you do, you go, Oh, I know that guy. Uh, really cool dude. Look for a nod and a hint of Stoney Jackson in our upcoming TV obscura. Um, which we're recording, I think next week. So, and then, uh, and then we will be doing a crossover event with podcasting after dark details to follow. But we just interviewed Chelsea Field, right. Chelsea Field. So she's going to be an upcoming interview that will be on $2 late fee and podcasting after dark. We're doing a whole crossover month, like just like we did for Wraith Timber. Yep. This is going to be slightly different, um, but ultimately just as enjoyable
0: and just so you all know we did talk about prison uh in in the interview but uh we also talked a lot about the movie that we're going to be reviewing uh coming up and
1: we actually talked a lot a lot about a, a ton of her movies yeah. and she she had some really interesting things to say about every one of those movies. We
0: we talked about Dust Devil too by the way and Masters of the Universe
1: yep yep a whole lot
0: yeah dude and it more. was it was so much fun it was so much fun so and yeah right dude tv obscure is next week i can't wait for it i love love tv obscure I love uh podcasting Ditto. with you and diallo so I'm, Ditto. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh the streets of rage sorry streets of rage streets of fire i've been actually well, streets playing. of rage
1: is based on streets of fire
0: i i, I so it's because i was gonna say i figured it was some kind of an homage but i actually play the streets of rage video game i i've played all the old ones, but I played the new one, the updated one, and it's really fucking good. Um, Cool. But yeah, Streets of Fire, very much looking forward to that, very much looking forward to the upcoming uh, crossover event, Uh, very much looking forward to discussing The Fog with you this month on The Carpenter Factor. As you all know, uh, Zach and I reviewed (laughs) the 170-minute TV movie Elvis uh, last month, Uh, John Carpenter's second made-for-TV movie, Uh, Elvis Elvis, the Elvis story by like a biopic type of thing. Uh, but <laughs> that was interesting. But we are diving into some classic fucking Carpenter now. Like we're getting into the fucking meat and potatoes of Carpenter next.
1: Oh, yeah, we're launching. So if you're not a Patreon yet, please consider becoming one because it's only going to get better on the Carpenter Factor tour de Force series. Yeah. You're going to love it.
0: You're gonna love it. I love it. I love talking about it with you. And it's it that show is a bit different. Uh, Zach and I don't break down every movie, but we do talk extensively about how that particular film fits into uh, Carpenter's overall filmography. Uh, So we're looking at the films from a sort of a different standpoint and everything, and we are going to revisit movies we've already fully covered, like Prince of Darkness and The Thing. We're going to revisit them in the month month that they f- that they fall, you know, that we're doing this, so it's it's a lot of fun we hope you guys check it out, and we hope you guys check out all the shows on the BFOP network talking back, action, action blast from our past, throwback trivia takedown all the shit, Cartwright, Seinfeld podcast, you know it, you love it and of course check out all of our friends $2 lay fee, ready to retro give me back my action movies, give me back my uh, horror movies, fucking uh, Cinema 9 podcast, all of our friends we love you guys, you guys all rock and as always
1: we'll catch you on the Slavic side be sure to subscribe to podcasting after dark and give us a five star rating on iTunes support podcasting after dark on patreon follow us on Instagram and Facebook at podcasting after dark And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer.